Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's been a big week in gaming. I'm Intergot for episode 14 for Sunday the 18th of October. In this week's show, we'll be discussing the announcement of the Analog Duo, PlayStation 5's cool new user interface, and a deep, very deep, retrospective review of Donkey Kong Country 2, Diddy's Conquest. And I'd like to welcome my co-host, Swinney, Xbox Hall of Famer, number one RPG gamer on Xbox in all of Oceania. How are you going? I'm very good, thank you. It's like, uh, I'm like, please, please qualify that it's Oceania. I'm definitely not number one in the world. That that would upset a lot of people out there. <laughs> I mean, it's all like public knowledge, right? So well, I'm I'm number two, but still. In the world? One. Yeah. It's been number two. Yeah. But, but the thing is. How right, far behind guy, are you? Uh, it's, the gap's pretty big. <laughs> okay, fair enough, fair enough. I was thinking, could, like, I, could I get some Chinese people to cheat and pay them to play, <laughs> play while you sleep? It's it's like big enough to the the point where I'm like, like that that gap's been known for like ten years, and I've never been able to close it. And honestly, like, I don't. I, I like the guy's number one. I actually probably wouldn't want to close. It. I think he deserves to be number one. Power it's kind to of him. funny to me, but it, it. I don't know if you're going to understand this, but it's a little bit like Bradman in cricket. For our US listeners, <laughs> that um, Bradman is a, a batter and his average is just statistically off the charts ahead of who's second. So, like most people in batting in cricket, test cricket, it's like an average of 38 is like probably average for you know, a guy who's going to have a career. And then a very good batsman, it's like 50. And then Steve Smith, I think, is number two. He's like 63, which is just insane. And then you've got Bradman, he's like 99.94. <laughs> it's just like way <laughs> off the charts. It's just wild. So I, I sort of see it like that. Maybe this guy who's number one, he's he's a bit like Bradman, but you're the best of the next, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm 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 the best of the worst. Every everyone's the worst. Oh, best of the worst. <laughs> <laughs> you're the best of the competitors. You're the next man up. <laughs> um, and and how are you feeling? So obviously last week we uh, had Mike fill in. Thank you very very much, Mike. It was quite a fun show. Uh, you feeling better? Yeah, I'm I'm feeling great. Um, when you're stuck in uh, in a hospital bed for a couple of days with nothing but a phone and a switch, you you get some gameplay done because there's nothing else to do. Yeah, so, <laughs> we played yeah. some Smash when you're in the emergency emergency room. Yeah, managed to play one game of Smash, um, and then uh, unfortunately the <laughs> the me hotspotting my mobile to the switch and with the poor reception in the emergency room. That was that's one for the for the highlight <laughs> books. I think well, it's it was also more... that Smash is not a resilient online game. <laughs> so it's just some words to both words. But I think it was less about hey, I really want to play Smash Rubs and more. I just really want to do this just to yeah, say we've fun. done it. Yeah, yeah, same, same. That's why I joined. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to play you in the emergency room. That's funny. <laughs> Would have actually probably tried to play Rocket League the next day when I was just in a normal uh, the normal ward. But um, yeah, just. I, I had to download the game. I'm like, I'm not about to download 10 gigs or whatever it is on my mobile. But, um, like, I just imagine that the hospital is like, they have some kind of emergency, a red alert goes off. Oh no, we've, we've got no data. We've gone over our cap. Someone, someone's downloaded 10 gigabytes and now we can't do these surgeries. Uh, and you're just like, and um, you listened to the show last week, and uh, I think you might have been cringing at some parts. But did you did you have any corrections uh, for for Mike and I last week? 
Well, first of all, yeah, again, just want to thank Mike for stepping in and, and being awesome. Um, it was fairly last minute. Um, so obviously he's, he's been keen to, uh, you know, to join us, um, for a bit. And I think we'll, you know, maybe we'll get him back, uh, someday as well. But yeah, it's, uh, in terms of, there's a couple of things I just wanted to point out. So. I, for one, am very excited about Mortal Kombat, uh, Rambo being Mortal Kombat as long as well as Melina Rain, um, mm. unlike Mike. Um, but <laughs> I, my correction is that, um, Predator's already been, um, a DLC character. So I think you guys are like, oh, it'd be cool to get Predator in. Has Predator been in? And yeah, Predator was in Mortal Kombat, um, X and, uh, he was alongside Alien, Weatherface and Jason Voorhees in, uh, across their different DLC packs for that one. So do and people just, call it Mortal Kombat X and not Ten? Uh I do. I've yeah. heard. I've heard other I've heard people, other people say, say that. that as well. Yeah, I've heard people say that, and I thought it was weird. But yeah, given that you've said it as well, I don't want to have a correction for next week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and the other small one, and and Mike said he wasn't sure about this, was um, the the weapon degradation bug for Dark Souls, where the frame rate affected how quickly the weapons broke, was. With Dark Souls 2, Scholar of the First Sin, not Dark Souls Remastered. Mm. Um, that was actually really interesting. So um, I know, I know got that you're not fully across how it would work, but it's just like any game, you know, how your weapon breaks in Dark Souls. But generally, it's not a big problem at all at any way. And it's just more to stop people just going around recklessly hitting everything with their good weapons and having a bit of a strategy. But it actually added another level of challenge because I played through it like that. Um, where you always had to have like backup weapons and your your weapon would break in the middle of boss fights and you'd have to go into the equipment menu while you, and that game doesn't pause while you're in the menu. So you're running around <laughs> blind having to like set up equipment and people do that all the time in Dark Souls speedruns but for a casual player it was like oh quick my weapon's broken I have to go change it. So they they patched it out pretty quickly though. I might I might have to save this clip for when we finally do our special... We might do it at the end of the year. A special one-off episode around Breath of the Wild <laughs> and stating our cases, whether we like it and dislike it. But I might, I might save this clip around you being comfortable you've, with weapon degradation no, in gameplay. You've said, no, you've said it before, and I said I don't have a problem with it in games <laughs> that need it. Uh, that, that, sorry, that where it suits. Um, I'm, I'm doing the trap line of just repeating it over and over again until it's true. <laughs> Sleepy Swinny, Sleepy, Sleepy Swinny, <laughs> Sick Swinny, <laughs> and I'm actually because you are like you know I always refer to you for corrections and just like to keep us on the straight and narrow. I'm actually impressed that it's only two things because you did listen to the whole episode, so I would have expected a lot more to be honest. There, there might have been a couple of things, but also, um, like I just there's just things I remember. The, I, I'm glad that, that Mike eventually did say that the Xbox does have the confirm and cancel buttons around the uh, that way as well. I'm like... Oh, I knew, you know, I knew that. Uh, okay, okay. But yeah. you guys are like talking about ages, I'm like, <laughs> it's like that on Xbox as well. <laughs> yeah, no, I knew that. Uh, yeah, and I'm still annoyed that we didn't keep the Nintendo and then Super Nintendo style. Because I'm, I'm still more used to that. Because I haven't... Like, I... I played xbox 360 a lot but i probably still play on nintendo consoles the most so for me it's very natural and i yeah i still struggle with it like in rocket league because it's you know the bottom button to confirm and when i'm really trying to quickly change something 
it, it always stuffs me up, like in the middle of a match or something like that. And um, this week uh, we played a bit of Steve in uh, Smash. What, what were your thoughts of the character? Steve, 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 as he Steve. announces it. It's great, it's great. Um, I prefer to say that I played as Enderman, thank you very much. Enderman's <laughs> the way cooler skin. It is cool, yeah. Um, it's, it is awesome what they've done uh, with this character in Smash. Um, no one... You know how you've got you've got a kid in school that when you've got like a school project, they just go, you know, like you used to have to do dioramas or something. Here's a volcano. And they would just go insane. They'd have like mechanic setups and they'd do all this crazy stuff. That's like Sakurai with this character. He's just, he goes, he's gone crazy on this character. He's just gone to the, you know, added so much to it. Um, but in terms of playing the actual character, uh, I've only played a few matches. I don't know if it's my style, but mm. it's cool. It's cool. Yeah, like, you know what actually was very heartwarming to me? I was watching a video with uh, 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 Mewtwo King and Salem, and they were, like, you know, playing Steve and just talking a bit about the character. And, you know, these two are, like, some of the best ultimate Smash players in general. You know, Mewtwo King's one of the five gods, right, of Melee. And, you know, they were both pretty much saying at the end, man, this character's just, like, a lot to do, like, a lot to think about. I couldn't remember everything. And it was just like, oh, I feel, like, almost comforted, the fact that these guys who are just unreal at the game are also kind of struggling. Because that was the thing for me. It was like... Man, just like keeping on top of everything, resource management, you know, strategies, you know, how you're going to get certain materials because there's only certain parts of the the actual uh, of of the level that you can actually get those materials, and just getting your head around all the moves there. Like I was thinking about it before, it's almost like a game in itself. Just playing this one character, like you could spend twenty, thirty hours just to get you know the basics of the character down pat. Like, it is a crazy, crazy character. It's so impressive. And, you know, everyone's just going to tip their hat to Sakurai and the team over there. Like, it's just, it's legit insane what they're doing with the game at the moment. Yeah, I, I've i been playing a little bit online and Steve's tough to deal with. Um, especially, you know, he's got an up smash that just pulls you in. And so that means that you've got to be super careful when you're approaching from the air. Um, you know, the, the spike on the forward air, oh man, like it's, he's, he's tough to deal with, but it's like mm. any new character. Um, you just, once you kind of know what they're capable of, you can, you know, look for those reads and everything. So it's, yeah. uh, it's really cool. I, I, I'll definitely give him another shot. Um, I'm just, I already just play so many characters and I'm just kind of really, I'm almost like honing in on a couple of them now, so. Yeah, I'm inkling for life, so I'll never get... <laughs> like, literally, what's, what's kind of funny about it is Inkling was the first new character revealed, really, for Ultimate. And the fact that that's pretty much the only character that I play. <laughs> so, so weird that they've added all these characters after that. You know, the Ridleys, the King K. Rules, Joker, and I'm still stuck on Inkling. Like, yeah, it it's such a cool game, man. Like... As much as I think there's other games, and I, I don't think I would ever consider this game to be like the number one game of all time or my favorite game of all time. But if you know the, that question where the people go, if you could take only one game and you were on a deserted island, 
which game would it be? I think it would be this game. I think it would be Smash Ultimate. Because, especially if you have some mates there as well, it's, I feel like you'd almost never run out of things to learn, do new characters, etc. You know, there's so yeah. many, so much depth to the game. And if I was stuck on a desert island, I'd actually take Minecraft as the game I'd take. Oh, because, really? Because you could just basically... You, you could build a new world in Minecraft. <laughs> There's so much... Like, you could just spend the, your time in there. Um, Minecraft would be up there. Minecraft yeah, would be yeah. It'd be between Minecraft and Smash for me. I think I'd still yeah. edge on Smash. But um, I also uh, actually uh, played through Final Fantasy VII again, which was good fun. Yeah, um, so you're doing that on PC, right? Yeah, so they added the achievement list there, so I replayed through that. Um, so this is a... I replayed it a couple of years ago and added it to, to Xbox. Um, and that was the first time I've played through since probably the early 2000s. And I am I definitely feel, I still feel that um, that game is not as good as I remember. And yeah. not, it's actually got nothing to do with graphics, got nothing to do with gameplay um, systems or characters. Um a lot of people are like, oh, it's so outdated looking. That's got nothing to do with that. I love all that stuff. Yeah, we don't. I don't um, think either of us care about that. No, it's actually just the just. I guess some of the a lot of dungeon is the wrong term because that's that's more like a Zelda thing. But it's like the areas that you go into just feel very disjointed. Um, like when it's like temp, <laughs> yeah. temp, Temple of Ages. I won't go into it because I know you know there's people that may not play through it all, but including um, me. Yes, so yeah, um, I didn't want to out you on that one, but uh... that's hey, I, look. The, the reality <laughs> is that there's hundreds of games that you almost yeah. have to play before you die, and you almost don't have enough time to do all that. And, uh, and 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 a stinger for a little bit later. There's a reason why now I'm going to hold off on playing Final Fantasy VII. There's a reason, and I'll, I'll get to yeah. it later in the show. So the um and yeah i just want to say like I, that game starts strong but i think it, it loses it in the middle a bit um mm. whereas my recent playthrough of final fantasy 8 made me realize that game is actually way better than than i thought the problem with final fantasy 8 it is just broken it is so yeah. broken um it is the most broken final fantasy yet easily no <laughs> i thought you were going to say that you like final fantasy 8 more than 7 because you do have a lot of controversial opinions no i don't like it more it's yeah, okay, just okay. It, it the gap has been lessened um, and and on the original playstation trilogy so 789 9 is your clear favorite still right oh it, it was Back then, and it is just there's no question now. Like, no, oh, it's, it's, it's separated. Phenomenal. There's a there's a gap now. Interesting. Oh, interesting. It is amazing. Nice. Yeah, and, and I mean, for me, I went and picked up Mario Kart Live. So that's the AR. I it, it, I guess you could say AR, right? Like, it feels more yeah. than AR, but you know, because you've got the physical stuff and you've got the game stuff. Um, uh, Mario Kart game, and so this is for Christmas. This is kind of like my present family present kind of a little bit for my son he's three he'll be about three and a half you know he's starting to get into it he's actually playing mario kart on my switch with gyro controls and you know the all the sort of stuff that they have on that and he was actually kind of getting it and moving it around i was like super impressed um so you know and he, i was gonna get him an rc cart so i thought well why don't i get this dude i was, I was just like so tempted to open it up and try it out <laughs> and then put it back away <laughs> It was like so hard <laughs> to like go. No, no, no! I should put it away. I've been. Uh, I've watched a couple of clips of cats. Yeah, like chasing the the cart around, which is always fun. And I think that's the thing because it had such good reviews. 
I'm like, oh man, I just want to have a little go so I can chat about it. Oh, so it actually has reviewed well, has it? Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, you know, it's one of those things where if you got to understand what it is, it's not Mario Kart 9. Like uh, even some of the reviews, people were saying it's, it's more of a toy than a game. And I'm like, yeah, of course, it's a toy. Yeah, like who I, thought it wasn't it, a toy? <laughs> that's what I was about to say. So, if anyone <laughs> expecting this to be the next Mario Kart, no. Yeah, right? I know. It's like to me, it's like it, what I my base level expectations is. It's a good RC car with extra fun to it, and it's actually from all reports way more than that. People are shocked at how well it works, shocked at how good it feels. So much so that uh, my wife was like, "Oh, we should get another. We should get Luigi, so then we can race." <laughs> I was like, oh my God. So that might happen as well. But yeah, I think we have to wait until Christmas that I can uh, maybe bring it up in the new year. But uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And because I always chat to my friends at uh, EB Games and the store manager, I've got some intel. I've got some intel. So we can chat a little bit later about that as well. And was there anything else that happened this week? No, that's that's pretty much it. There's something that I'll uh, I'll mention a bit later that uh, is uh, that happened this week. Which yeah. All right, fair enough. Well, let's get into our first headliner, and this is a company I promised I wouldn't bring up for a while, apart from the fact that Analog Day happened, which is Analog, one of my favorite companies. Uh, the 16th of October is very. It's officially Analog Day in uh, Big Week and Gaming calendar. Uh, you've had in last year Analog Pocket announced on that day. Mega SG the year before, and then the Super NT the year prior. So, you know, Mega Drive and Super Nintendo. And this year, everyone was kind of having rumors, oh, are they going to announce something? They did make an announcement. And I always love with these announcements, people project what they want into it. So the announcement was really simple. It just said announcement, and then it had a, a power sign like squared. And then it had the date, which is now in my world referred to as Analog Day, 16th of October. And from that, people started going, oh, it's a, it's a GameCube because it's a cube, right? And then people were like, no, you idiot. That's a, that's a square, right? A cube would be a three. And, you know, people were just like going, oh, they're going to do an analog pocket restock. And I look at it and I think someone, you know, found um, what, what it was, which was uh, it's, it's an all-in-one system that emulates or not emulates it, clones almost every single NEC console. So that brings us all the way back to episode one, where we actually reviewed Bonk's Adventure. So this is the TurboGrafx-16, PC Engine, Super Graphics, TurboGrafx CD, and then the CD-ROM 2, and the, in the duo as well, we should call out as well. Um, and it's being called the Analog Duo. Um, so it's kind of an interesting one because as far as I understand, none of these consoles came out in Australia. Is that your understanding as well? Yeah, I believe so. Um, I just want to say, let's officially, for this week at least, rename the podcast to Big Week in Analog. (laughs) Big Week in Analog. I have spoken a lot about Analog. I feel like maybe a third of the episodes have got Analog content in it. But look, like, and you know what? One thing about this announcement is... I'll get through the features first. So uh, this is the first analog system that actually has a CD drive. And I do want to touch on that later and my thoughts around that. Uh, It is compatible with Hue cards, turbo chips, CD-ROMs. So all your original um, collection of TurboGrafx-16 PC Engine and associated NEC console games, you can just plug straight in. Just like analog normally does, you can use wireless controllers on it, your original controllers, and it outputs in HDMI, so 1080p. 
you'll need to get like an analog DAC if you want to then pump that through into a CRT. But this is actually amazing because PC Engine, I'm not sure how close you are to it, but it's probably one of the trickiest consoles to get outputting to like a HD source or to even a CRT. Like they have uh, really bad capacitors. So people have to recap them. The modification costs a fortune. It's really hard because it's not a really big scene. And just for comparison, so this will retail at 199 and it's going to be released next year. Now with shipping, that's about $90 Australian. Like you're looking at like about $400 for this, like shipped to your house. Whereas just looking at the secondhand market for something that's not even the equivalent, it doesn't even have everything that this does. It's about 650 Australian just because it's, it's actually really hard to do. And also the quality, you know, just given that you're talking about systems that are 30 years old now versus something that's brand new. Like it's, I think it's an amazing deal. Now the community in general was so like, people were really getting aggressively upset about this because they had the line limited quantities and everyone's just like, Oh my God, this is just analog pocket all over again. What's wrong with this company? I don't know, man. Like, I can't actually see this selling out like crazy. Like, for instance, the Mega SG, they still have copies for sale. And I, I think the difference between this versus other things, it's kind of like, it's a, it's a bit of a captive audience. Like, I don't see younger kids in general getting into TurboGrafx-16. You know, it's really the people who played it back then, have collections, or are into, into it now. I don't see you growing that audience very much. So they actually do need to be a bit careful about how much they produce. And I don't see this selling out on day one. Maybe it will. But I actually think if you want to get this in, I don't think you need to be as desperate to order this. But looking at history, it's probably a good idea when they announce the pre-order date, you get in and get on it quick, um, just given what happened with the pocket. So yeah, like what, what did you think about this, Winnie? Yeah, Apart it's, from that, it, I was going to go on and on about it. <laughs> no, it, it's a tricky thing to give my input because as you said you know these consoles never came out here and even if they did i probably wouldn't have owned one because you know especially back then like owning multiple consoles wasn't really a thing for most people you either had you just had one console and maybe a computer um and it's the thing for me is that means that you know, I'm I'm not interested in this in any way because I don't own any of the games. Now I know that there's ways, you know, that I'm sure to like load ROMs and stuff eventually. But yeah. um, I'm I'd be more interested in you know the Turbo Graphics Mini that they announced, um, you know, a little while back. Um, Konami yeah, or whoever, simply because well, that's got the games on there. Um, but it, I just I just got to give another shout out to whoever whoever it is that designs to look at these analog products. Yeah. They're so on point. Um, it just they just all look so cool. Um, and that that picture that they've got with the the, the CD going in as, as well as the Bomberman card, man, it yeah, just the it, card. I know I can really see why people like almost collect these. You know, even if they don't plan to use them that often, they're <laughs> like, I want this machine because it just looks so cool. Um, and those cards, um, I never I never realized how cool they look. I love those, look at those cards. Yeah, like, and so I'm not a collector at all. Um, you know, 95%, probably even higher than that, to be honest. I'm not going to get this. Same as you. And I think it's also because of Australia. Like, we didn't have TurboGrafx-16 um, come into our country. 
So, for instance, I was never a big Mega Drive slash Genesis player, and but we were familiar with it. It was really big in Australia. Some would say it was bigger than Super Nintendo. Um, and I <laughs> don't start that again. <laughs> well, I don't know. And I reached out to a bunch of people to try to find out. And no one could give me any data. Um, we'll get it eventually. Um. But just looking at this, I think because I'm not even familiar with it, you know, when we played Bonk's Adventure, it's like I had no nostalgia for it at all, like zero. And it does impact you. Like, I feel like at least if I was more familiar when I was younger, I'd be like, oh, yeah, I always wanted that thing. It looks really crazy. And I'm a bit like that with the Mega SG. Like, that's still available. And I tell you, if if analog shipping wasn't as crazy as it is... Like, it is so expensive to ship to Australia from analog. It's like $130, $140. It's insane. If it was more a reasonable price, like 40 50 bucks, I probably would get a Mega SG, which is the Mega Drive slash Genesis clone, which you can get adapters and play Master System as well. Now, you know, I've played that. I, you know, famously or infamously got a Game Gear. So I am actually familiar with some of these Sega titles. But yeah, this one I just don't have any affiliation with. But, you know, to your point, the internal engineering, like the hardware stuff, which uh, a guy called uh, Kevtris does. and oh, the Kevtris, industri- is it? Okay. Yeah. yeah well, no, know. no. So, he does the FPGA stuff. So, that's the oh, internal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the industrial design. They get different designers to do it. But, you know, the guy, Christian, uh, sorry, Christopher Tabor, who's like the head of analog, he does like, you know, he gets so much hate. I don't understand it. I really don't. It's like, you don't have to buy these things. You know what I mean? Like, but to me, what he's doing is he's, he's actually elevating retro gaming. He's like, to me, this looks better in my world. And maybe I'm crazy. This looks better than like the shit that Apple's putting out these days from an industrial design point of view. Like if you actually look at what they're putting out there, like the pocket to me, it looks unreal. It looks so good. Um, and you're right. Like they, they just do such a good job on all fronts. Um, apart from their customer service. (laughs) which is infamously bad. Um, but yeah, like it looks exciting, but, and, and I just want to reiterate. So yeah, it is out next year, 200 us dollars. It will be around, I think 410 Australian dollars. If you want to order this to Australia, my thoughts on this one. So, you know, they've had a lot of issues with this whole analog pocket. They so Kevtris, the guy does the FPGA emulation. He's kind of already had, this TurboGrafx-16 stuff in the works for a long time. So I actually think it was relative for them, a lot less effort to do this. I think that this is actually a really interesting strategy, what they're doing, because my thought at least is this is the first time they've really gone mass market on CDs. And CDs, you know how it is, man. It's like, that's a mechanical part. It's not like what Analog have done previously, which is all like solid state stuff. This is actually moving parts, things like that. I think that they're doing this and and doing it on a console that is underappreciated, that's not likely to sell a lot of units. I think they're doing this now because then it gives them time to really like put something out there, make sure it works well. And then they could actually do a PS1 clone, maybe next year, maybe the year after and have worked out all the bugs around the CD drives and how do you, you know, manufacture that? Because I think if they did a PS1, they would sell like bloody hotcakes. Like that would just be up there with the analog pocket. And, you know, viability of PS1, like there are actual efforts in the community for Mr. 
which is like the, it's like an FPGA, but it's all sort of access open source one. So it's like what Analog's doing, but in open source fashion. There's a whole bunch of effort to do this for PS1. And I think everyone in the community believes it's doable. Uh, and then maybe some people would ask, why is Analog not doing the the Nintendo 64? I don't think the Nintendo 64 is going to be done like ever or like in a very, very, very long time because the the actual chips on the Nintendo 64 are really, really, um, like for their time, super advanced and super complex with the way that they work. Ultra 64. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, because you've got the whole C, uh, SGI stuff. And I just, like, you even see it with emulators. Emulators for 64 are still trash. Like, PS1, there's really good emulators out there. Like, you probably wouldn't even know if you're playing PS1 or, like, the emulator. Whereas 64, you can tell straight away. Like, I've never seen a 64 game emulated where I'm not like, oh, they're running this through an emulator and they're not actually playing it on the console. So I I don't think they'll ever do the 64. I think, yeah, PS1 would be the next big one and that would... I don't know what they'd do after that, to be perfectly frank, because I'm, <clears throat> you know, people were debating whether they'd ever get around to TurboGrafx-16. They have. Um, so there's kind of running out of consoles that they could even do this type of treatment with the FPGA. So it's exciting. I really think this is super cool. If I had crazy amount of money, I would buy it, but I just don't have the nostalgia for it. And yeah, it just doesn't make sense for me to get one. I don't have any games for these systems. <laughs> Um, I also noticed, so are they also doing, what, like a converter or a card reader for the pocket as well? Yeah, so they'd already announced that. Um, so that means, you know, the Hue cards of that Bomberman thing, you can actually play on that. So obviously it wouldn't be the CDs, but um, yeah, the card readers are <laughs> so really hard to... The visual of like trying to jam a CD into the pocket. Just well, like... I mean, look at the PSP. Essentially, that's like a little CD. Those uh, UMDs, right? That's true. That's true. Um, which is still funny to think that they did that. Like, but that that shows how advanced Sony is from a hardware engineering point of view. Like, they are so far ahead of everyone else in that realm. Um, yeah, I I like those adapters, but they didn't have all of them available at once, and because the shipping is so crazy to Australia, I'm just hoping for the off chance that they'll be more widely available, and then I can order them maybe in the future. It's a pack or something. I don't know. Like, because they haven't finished them all yet. And Analog's had a bad history with those type of adapters. So just with the Mega SG, which is like the Mega Drive clone, Genesis clone for the States, um, they the first ones they shipped out would actually brick the console. And they had to like immediately tell everyone, don't use them, don't use them. Like, just throw them in the trash. We'll send you new ones for free. Right, so a little bit of an issue there, boys. And so just a bit of the background to that, they were actually using like a third party to make them and then they were unhappy with the quality in the end. So they went in-house to make all so of those things. I'm. This is coming from a completely ignorant perspective. So these analog machines, is there any way for to actually give them firmware updates or anything or they're yeah, yeah. completely... Okay, okay. Yeah. There is. So all, all right. of them have, that I'm aware of, have um, like an SD card slot so like either sd or i think micro sd for the pocket potentially um yeah so you just plug it in there and you can update the firmware i had to do that with my super nt to get the analog dac to work which allows me to plug it into my sony trinitron um yeah and then also people use that to jailbreak the consoles and then you can play like roms off the sd but that's something that analog themselves 
absolutely don't talk about, don't refer to, don't encourage at all. And yet it's kind of really strange. The hardware engineer, Kevtris, was the one who released the jailbreak. (laughs) (laughs) So it's really strange. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I have to say though, analog, you know, you know how I I love business and legal stuff. It's because of my job as well in my day job, but I read through their disclosures and things like that. I'm like, they've got to be really careful. They've got to be like maybe a bit more clearer because I feel like they could actually have a cease and desist on their hands. They've got to be more like clear around they have no association with like Nintendo, NEC, like any of these things. Like I read through it all. I'm like, this doesn't really clearly say to anyone, this has nothing to do with those companies helping them or being associated with them because they're using their brands and their trademarks all the way through it. Like they're talking about Turbo six, TurboGrafx-16, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I was just, I'm, they obviously haven't been contacted by anyone because just going through it, I'm like, mm. <laughs> like it's a bit strange the way that they're marketing it. Like, and it, it looks really, really cool and minimal and everything. Um, so yeah, no, it's it's awesome. Looking forward to it. I really feel like, yeah, a PC, uh, sorry, PlayStation 1 is likely next year. Uh, and that would be, sick like i'd be all over it and that's why i was just saying before final fantasy 7 i actually think i'll wait until they have one of these fpga clones of the playstation one and then i want to play it like that um because i've been looking like heaps at getting a playstation one and it's just like they're so unreliable the the cd drives are failing there's just a lot of issues and i'm just like oh you know, do I want to get original one, mod it, blah, blah, blah. And then I'm kind of thinking in the back of my mind, I feel like they're likely to do this because it's achievable and it would, yeah, it would sell and it'd be a really cool piece of history to have a PlayStation like that in this format. So is there anything else you wanted to flag? <laughs> nah, I'm, I'm all good. I, I, It's one of those topics where I wish I, I could, you know, talk to it more, but it, I'm, I've always been keen to try more turbo graphics games. I think uh, mm. it's going to have to be the emulation world for me to, to experience some of that stuff. And maybe we'll hit some more games uh, for the podcast like we did for Bonk. Well, you know, I wanted to convince myself to buy one of these. <laughs> so I went on YouTube and looked at the top 50 like turbo graphics 16 cd duo games of all time and i'm like sweet I'm, i want to get some hidden gems i've never heard of and go you know yeah maybe i should get my hands in on these right and then the number one on this per it's just one person's list the number one was like street fighter 2 champions edition the 8-bit version and i was just like oh uh, okay <laughs> all right this is not gonna and then i think bonks was three and well, I'm just like, a, Bonks is a good game. Yeah. yeah, but dude, like if that's the third best game on your console. But this is, this is, no, but this is the person, someone's list. Sure, you know? sure, sure. Yeah. But still, still, you know, yeah, I don't know. I was just like, oh yeah, maybe I need to look at, I, I, I think it's a good thing that you're saying. Like we should play one or two, maybe ones that, you know, are underrated or something like that, you know, or underappreciated and then, yeah, see how it goes. So going from my speculation about PS1. Why don't we uh, get into some other headline news around a more recent version, more recent iteration of PlayStation. So this week, uh, Sony dropped the PlayStation 5 UI in a in a very out-of-the-blue state of play. I think I was 
playing Rocket League or something and I have a Twitter feed up and it popped up and it was like, hey, check out our UI. I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> um, so yeah, like the, you, you have to help me out a lot here. <laughs> but I, I looked through this and I was like, wow, because, you know, I've, I've got a PS4. I don't have an Xbox One. To me, this just absolutely destroys the PS4 interface. I've always felt it to be really clunky. This is like very centered, you know, and they've really, to me, built it around, you know, actually playing the games and using the console. So, you know, it's very big on the rest mode. As soon as you boot up, bang, you're in the game. You can just get into it really, really quickly. It's it's there to play. And this new uh, feature that I thought was really, really cool, actually, and it's it's perfect for someone like me, this whole thing around activities. So they actually show, and and it's got something to do with the trophy stuff but you've got your activities but it actually tells you like linked into the actual game itself hey this is an activity that you could do it's going to take you 20 minutes 10 minutes 30 minutes and then you can actually get into that part and you know complete those challenges and i'm sure like part of it i'm not sure i can't recall if it's like always associated with um the the trophies for that game and then, you know, there's a whole host of other features we want to jump into, but just on the activity thing, for me, that's so good because, you know, I have the issue of maybe sometimes I can only get in half an hour of gaming. So the quicker it gets in, that's huge for me. And that's why I love the Switch because I can just bang, get right into it. And the quicker I can just pause it or get into another game, that's awesome. Um, so yeah, like what, what what did you think about it? Because you're obviously familiar with the Xbox interface. Did you look at it and go, oh, wow, I wish we had some of that stuff or? So like, yeah, so I up front, um, just like you're not as familiar with definitely the Xbox One interface, I, I'm i definitely not familiar with any of the place, recent PlayStation interfaces in any way. So keep that in mind whenever I'm giving my thoughts about this whole thing. Um, the activity thing's cool. Um, I really like the fact that um, it seems like some things will be able to take you straight to that part of the game. Um, the, I do have my doubts, very big doubts about how, how that will be applied because you've got something like Sackboy, uh, the adventure game, and I'm sure Astrobot and a lot of the first party or, you know, the, the Sony titles, they will implement it really well. But what does that mean for every other game? How, how adamant, how well are developers going to stay on top of that? Um, is it going to be a feature that kind of is optional for developers to do? If so, does that mean it's just going to be a trophy tracker, which is cool? Um, but the whole, I click to go to that part of the game. Well, that's definitely not going to work in a lot of games. Um, imagine God of War, you're not going to just, maybe if God of War has like a fast travel system, it could fast travel you to the part of the game, that the mm. part of the map, sorry, that that has that challenge or whatever. Um, I do like the amount of time it takes, but a lot of that is is very uh, subjective and down to play skills. So that's a, it. That is always like a very loose estimate, I think. Um, so I I'm I'm hesitantly positive about it. If that makes sense, um, it's it's cool. I don't know if it was the best idea, to maybe to open with that because it felt. Like you went straight in. Yeah, you went straight in. You're like, what are all these cards? What's going on? Like, to me, like, I think they probably should have built up to it a little bit. But um, I I like the idea. Mm. Okay. Uh, Like, 
I think you're hundred percent right. Like it's it's how how well they execute it is gonna be a big thing. This is kind of something to me that they will either do it the right way or the wrong way. And in my opinion, the right way is to heavily rely on data. So have a baseline. You know, any developer, if they're doing the activity thing, it's kind of like, this is when you start it, this is when you finish it, you need to input some base level in there, right? Which is like the default that would give you a guide that you're playing, right? And then you heavily rely on data. Like, so I think you're on the quicker side in terms of gaming. You know, if I was to put this in parlance of reading, you're like a fast reader. Like you get through a game faster than the average person, right? I'm definitely a slow reader, like actually a slow reader, but I'm also slow at games. Like I'll play and it'll be like double the amount of time that you probably take to get through a game. Um, it depends. So Honestly, I, it depends on the game. Oh um, uh, yeah, sure. But I'm just saying in general, I, I think like if just you have to say randomly pick a game. That's I'd say that that's true. Now, like they need to just use data to be able to support this stuff. So it's like, if someone's slow, they can see that through the data. they, just like with you know true achievements, which is a site you're pretty big on, like that that's using data to judge. Hey, how hard is it to get this achievement? How easy is it? And you know, develop a rating, right? Like they could do the same thing with this, and that, I hope that that's how they're doing it. I think it'd be a real big error if they did it so that it's like they're really relying on what the developers think it would take to get through something. Um, and they're not using sort of like that big data approaches to go. Well, wait a second, we have millions of people playing the console why don't we use that information to be able to do it um so no like i am super interested in this i I think the fact that it's so snappy and quick is actually like making me really excited about this next gen versus the current gen which i've always been a bit just felt it was really really slow uh it's slow to get into games slow to load things and like i've always said you know for me with time it's really critical these days and something I've liked, I know, sound, I sound like a Switch stan or something, but I've always liked about the Switch and when everyone's complained about, oh, the UI hasn't changed, I just like, I can just turn it on and just get straight into a game and it gets out of my way and I can play, which is cool. Um, but yeah, like, uh, do you want to chat about the other features uh, that it has? Yeah, I I quite like the game help feature. Mm, um, that's interesting. So if you're a PlayStation Plus subscriber... Um, and you need help on, a, I guess it's related to those game cards or those activities that pop up um, in the control center, that you can view a game help feature that has integrated uh, like video guides and things like that. Um, it's interesting it's limited to PlayStation Plus. And no, I, I don't know the percentage of people that are PlayStation Plus subscribers, but I wonder if the people that probably need those videos the most for help are maybe the people that are, super casual gamers that may <laughs> yeah, not have true. PlayStation Plus, but um, that's a cool feature. Um, I The whole snap to the side, I mean, it's it's very reminiscent of the Xbox snap feature that kind of got phased out, um, I guess, based on the data. Well, there was a few things there they were wanting to, I guess, reallocate the system resources, so the snap feature went away to help with that. But yeah, um, it's... Yeah, I actually used the snap feature, but I used it to snap the achievement tracker to the side of the screen. And now ah, you can just cool. Yeah. Now, now you just overlay it on top instead, so you don't need the snapper. But I like that idea. Um, I don't. It. We'll see whether or not it's something that people use. I have a feeling that if they 
see that not a lot of people are using it, that may get phased out eventually. But hey, you never know. Maybe it becomes a, a super, super useful thing for everyone. I, I think, you know, those picture-in-picture type stuff and like snapping. So like, you know, snapping it so that the game's on the right or the left or whatever. I feel like they live and die by how easy it is to get into that mode, rearrange things. You know what I mean? Doing all that stuff. Yeah. I find that when it's not intuitive, people just don't know about it, don't use it. And then, yeah, they'll come through the data for sure. So I was the same as you. I thought it was really, really cool, uh, that feature. Yeah, my probably my favorite thing of this whole... Um showcase was um being able to view friends gameplay feed and yeah, that's put, so that, sick. put that picture in picture and that's something yeah, that's that so sick. i swear they talked about that last gen where you know they would start introducing that stuff i swear because it was definitely before this next gen features and things started to get discussed you know in the last 12 to 18 months and that stuff just never eventuated last gen um like they talked about being able to pick up gameplay you know using you know, cloud streaming and stuff from, oh, you pick up a game from where your friend was playing and stuff like and that. None of that stuff ever happened. <laughs> so this um, this is really cool because I, I I love the idea of, hey, you're on voice chat with someone, you're both um, playing through a game and you can kind of have their screen there if uh, you want to see it or their screen playing something completely separate. Um, you know, I'm just the other day, I no joke, so I was... I was uh, doing some grinding in Final Fantasy VII. I was spectating in Smash Brothers. I was watching Reddit and I was listening to a podcast. Uh, sorry, reading Reddit on my phone. And I was listening to a podcast. I was doing four things at once. <laughs> and I think we're all at that point these days where we're kind of like trying to... Um, what's what's the term? What's the RPG term? Oh, my God. Um, min-max. min-max. You're trying to yeah, min-max yeah. your time. How do you not remember min-max and I no, remember it? No, it was a, it was a, <laughs> a brain fart moment. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you try I to love min-max, the word min-max. min-max your time so that you get doing everything as efficiently as possible. And I, I like the, this idea. You know, I've tried to introduce min-max at the bank that I work at <laughs> as a term because I think it's such a good term It's because it's very like... It's very visual to me, the term, yeah. like when you understand what it means. It's such a great word. Um, yeah, look, like the whole streaming and everything, like I think I would have gotten a lot of trouble uh, if we tried to make predictions about next gen. So if we were doing this podcast a year ago, at some stage we would have been like, let's sit down and predict what is going to be in the consoles because I really expected them to go harder on the streaming part of it. And I was kind of expecting them, like one of the brands at least, to do a deal uh, with Amazon and Twitch to have that fully integrated. Like, for yeah. instance, like you could have a, a ca- I know, like, and to be clear, people are going to correct me. I know that there's the PS camera and all these things, but I, like, I'm talking about something I can just go in the store, get the PS5 Twitch camera, put it on a tripod in front of me. It has automated, like, you know, detection on my background. So it cuts me out, puts, puts it in a logical way. So it's just kind of like a, you know, the easiest way to jump into streaming at a good quality, you know what I mean? And have like the Twitch chat on the left, you're playing a game on the right, they are seeing, you know, the right version of that, it has yeah. inbuilt transitions. Uh, like I would have went really hard on that so prediction. It, Xbox went hard on that last gen. Or yeah, yet. but it was too early. It was too early. Yeah, it's I know, but, they, but too, you said, thing. but they've, they've done that. That's the thing is they, and they've, they've backpedaled all that. Obviously they've, yeah, closed, sure. they've shut down Mixer, which is a huge part of that, but they, 
like all the integration, everything. Now, I won't say in what you're saying in terms of, oh, you buy like a prepackaged camera thing and all, like the camera part's probably the only thing and, and things like that, but it's the, like they did go hard on it and I think they realized that the people that are into, that are going to do that, they go, they're probably more interested in doing it the proper way um, or like doing Ooh. it like, no, because as I said, like they've, they've tried all that um, and it just, they obviously the numbers didn't show that it was working for them. Um, Look, now, like, a, a big part of that is also the fact that obviously it wasn't Twitch, um, but they have had, part of it. but they've also, you know, like they've made steps towards that. But yeah, I think, I honestly don't, I think they've they've tried that and I don't think it's the way that they wanted to go. Yeah. So like uh, timing is massive. You know, like there were social media networks before Facebook that did everything Facebook did. But you almost need to be at the right place at the right time with these things. And I think last gen, like this gen, current gen, it's too early. And I think the next gen, where you're building it in mind and you can actually have more hardware integration into that stuff. I don't know. Personally, I was just surprised. And I would love to know if they thought about it. And I do feel like some of it is to do with, there's only really two companies that could do this, Sony and Microsoft. Microsoft when they were developing this console. Because remember, they were developing it like three, four years ago. They were deep into their own streaming platform as an idea, right? So they wouldn't have even been entertaining Twitch. And then Sony, again, is a Japanese company. You know, yes, they deal with American companies, but it's totally different. And, you know, if Twitch was like a Japanese company, maybe it would happen, right? Um, Yeah, I, I don't know. I was just a bit surprised. I was just a bit surprised because Sony does love to create accessories. You can see that with the lineup. They have so many accessories and they're all like, you know, with the same branding and everything like that. And I don't know, I just would have thought if they had that deep integration and I would still believe, I know I understand that there's been a, you know, an example already that failed. I just think, yeah, you get on the right platform, which is Twitch. And if it's really easy and, you know, it's a safe thing as well. Like, I feel like that's an element as well. Um, you know, that that would have been really interesting, but it's not going to happen. Um, yeah, and that was probably the only thing that surprised me. Um, and, and just one thing I wanted to call out uh, is all the changes they've made this week to the PS4. And then this is all because of the PS5. So there's some changes to the way they're going to do voice chat moderation, which I thought was really, it's really interesting. The way they handled it was really poor, so much so that Sony themselves pretty much apologized for how they explained it to people. So essentially, they're going to progressively record five minutes of your chat at all times. And then, you know, obviously, like, only keep the last five minutes. And if you do have um, an example of abuse or something like that in the voice chat, you can submit 40 seconds of audio for review to the moderation team. I personally think this is a great idea. I'm not sure if you think it's a bad idea or invasion of privacy or something like that. I I think it's a good idea, um, but... They have to be very careful, and I think that it needs to be made incredibly clear every single time you join a voice chat that has been recorded that That's that true. is happening. It's similar to you know when you call a company and they say this is being recorded. You know, there's legal reasons why that has to happen, but it makes you it it does give you a heads up because it the reason why I think that is then that's going to make people not do it. It's almost like you know, well, as in, yeah. like it's it's a it's 
Not oh, abuse, I, you mean? Yeah, I'm trying to think yeah, the yeah. right word, but it's like preventative measure where it's like, oh, yeah, crap, at any time, oh, that's right, I joined. Oh, that's right, they've got this new thing. I'm not going to start calling everyone racist, you know, terms <laughs> yeah. and stuff, um, which is like that stuff happens. We know, like it's horrible. Oh. So that's why that's this is a good thing because uh, then you can, you know, you, you're able to catch that stuff out because a lot of that abuse will happen over voice chat, not, you know, people can report when people direct message them and stuff, but that's not where the most of it happens. You know, it's on the voice yeah. chat in open lobbies and Call of Duty. And that's the question is, is it... <laughs> that's what I was going to say, Call of Duty. Is it, uh, yeah, like, because there's, I don't know how the, the chat works on, on PlayStation, but you've got like, obviously the party chat and the individual chats, and then you've got the game chats when you join the games. So yeah. is it everything? Oh, I think it's any voice chat. Okay. All right. Because I think, to be honest, there'd be a huge amount of abuse in parties as well, even with friends and stuff like that. So, yeah, look, I think it's good. I think, you know, it's funny because I'm a big privacy nut, but I look at that as, you know, if I'm using WhatsApp, my phone, like to me, they're absolutely utilities. Whereas I don't think going on voice chat on a video game is a utility. I just think that that's, that's a community and so, it should be moderated. And I shouldn't go on as a as a female or as a African American or a person of color and hear racist commentary or sexist co- like that's BS. I hate that shit. That's actually seriously. You know, I'm very anti voice chat, <laughs> anti all that stuff. I turn it all off because I just I can't stomach it. It's like hearing the internet. That's what it feels like to me. And there's just so many idiots on the internet, you know. So. Mm. I think it's a good thing, and I think they should go hard. And people do that kind of stuff. I think they should, uh, you know, just have their feature turned off completely. Like they can't voice chat with their friends or anyone if they do yeah. that shit. So a couple of other things I just want to ask about this whole yeah. new interface. Um, and again, this is where the ignorance of my not knowing how the past things worked. Um, I've I'd always heard that Xbox was well ahead in some regards in terms of like party chat and things like that. How they they were showing stuff in this showcase that the 360 had. I'm like, wait, so people <laughs> like that control center thing where you pop up. And I'm not, I, I really want to say this is not being, oh, they haven't had it. Like, oh, Android has stuff that Apple's introduced. <laughs> I just, I'm actually curious. So did you, how did that work with like party chats before? It's just PS4? really, the whole thing's really clunky, man. Like everything to me about the PS4 interface is super clunky. Like the settings are all over the place. The PlayStation Store is so slow. Yeah, they said it's so slow. They said it was a separate app before. Yeah, dude, wow. it's so slow. It's like you're launching into it loads, right? Like it, and, and you know, again, just from a business sense, it's crazy because the amount of friction it introduces, and that like they're gonna make more money because this is faster. And it, you know, like Amazon's done great studies on point one of a second contributes to X amount of sales lost. You know, and it's magnitudes more than that how slow ps store is it's just a really clunky interface you like when you click into your version of like a command center it's sort of like shows the games and it's very just hard to get to what you want to do and it's not intuitive and you get it like when you play it all the time where to go but like for instance when my wife grabbed like and she had to check where she was from a trophy perspective she didn't know how how the hell to navigate it it was like where do I go? Where, like, do I go right? Like, where am I? And then, yeah, looking at this one, it's 
completely changed in my view. Um, and very much, yeah, like you, like you're saying, kind of like getting to what 360 had and what, you know, Xbox has already had. And I actually had a question for you. I, I'm not sure if this is right or not. Um, with the, the Xbox, are they actually unifying the user interface? So Xbox Series X and Xbox One X will have the same interface. Is that right? Yeah. So I'm currently using, I'm <laughs> using the interface that the, the One cool. X uses. Like I'm that's using really cool. it now. Yeah. It, that's, what I, it's, that's what I heard. It is, it is cool, but there's, there's an element of me that is like, if you were getting a new console, you want that new feeling as well. I love, I love that. You know, I love that kind of like, oh man, like look how it loads. I remember the PS3. I was like, damn, look how cool this looks. <laughs> yeah, it's like the the new, you know, like the new car the new feeling or whatever. You know, it's like, oh, this is this is new. So you lose that. You definitely lose that. The fact that if I went and got a ser- uh, Series X, I, can't, I have to think every time I say that. It's name. so bad. Siri- if, if I went and got a Series X, it would just be like booting up my One X. If. So if it's I got like, a Series X, yeah, I know. But... <laughs> as if there's any doubt, I I still believe, and we'll get to it soon because I've got some confirmation you're not going to like to hear. But if you can get a hand on the Series X this year, I think you will. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I see, think, see, I, you're changing. I no, no. See, the thing is, I've said before, all it takes is one game, and that game isn't there. Like if they Valhalla. No, but Valhalla's on on. Uh, but you're not, dude. No, you want no, to play it on the best. No, you, no, you don't understand me then, <laughs> because I will always multi-platform, and I always start with the worst version. Yeah, uh, okay. Because if you start with a good version, going down to the worst version feels Tough, crappy. Yeah, yeah. I get, so I, look, I, I always I get that start well. with the worst version. I, to be honest, I do that as well. So, like, I have Monster Hunter World, but I'm actually going to play. Monster Hunter 4 on the 3DS because I figure if I play World I'm going to be like oh my god I can't go back like from a systems quality of life everything yeah. so I do get that I do get that but um, um no like then, if they if they turned around and said there's a Dark Souls 3 like special edition that like whatever that run, that runs at 50, uh, 60 frames a second like they did that's that's why I bought a, a an Xbox One because they did that Dark Souls 2 and so that like that's an example of where I'm like, yes, now I get one, you know. Hey, can I just ask a re- like this is embarrassing. Dark Souls Four. Yeah. Like, is that in development? Like, is that a thing? Am I like asking a really dumb question by saying that? Or well, they're still working on Elden Ring. Ah, so that that whole team is on Elden Ring. Well, I mean, they've, there has been cases before where they've had like an A team and a B team, and they rotate yeah. development. But the A team's on Elden Ring. Well, I don't know. I'd assume so. But they worked on Bloodborne and and Dark Souls two simultaneously, and I guess there was crossover um, Dark Souls three yeah. there as well. But, okay. Um, look, no doubt they're they're putting in work, but I actually have a feeling if they're working on anything else right now, they're probably working on a Bloodborne two. Like, yeah, I think that's almost, you know, one of those official, un- unofficial things. Well, it's more like, okay, I I think the Dark Souls series is kind of left, is, is in a good place right now and they, they should build the other IPs. So I think mm. that's why they would do that, yeah. And, and before we move on, just the last thing, because it was kind of strange because this was showing off the user interface, but it gave us a, a, the best look at Sackboy. The, the new game that's coming out. And actually, a lot of people are now hyped about Sackboy after watching the UI 
trailer and showcase. I, but for, I, for me, I, just, I was like, whoa, this is 3D world. Mario 3D world. Yeah, that's all I was about like to say. Such a clone of it. I'd, I'd assumed that that game had been shown off quite a bit. Nah, nah, there hadn't been that much, like, that much gameplay footage of it. Oh, okay. Yeah, it, it felt like Genshin Impact or something. It's like, what the hell? Are they just trying to copy all the Nintendo games? <laughs> it was pretty shameless, man. Like, some of the parts that we saw. I was like, Jesus. Like, they've just literally taken it and put a different skin on in some places. Yeah, but I'm I'm fine with that because um, if that stuff ha- used to happen all the time in games, you know. It's like suddenly... It's, it basically creates like almost like a new subgenre platformer, that kind of isometric 3D kind of, uh, you know, platformer. So Eight-directional, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's a weird-feeling game. It's cool, I like it, but it's it's definitely different. All right, well, why don't we get into some of the smaller news items, uh, starting with uh, one... Again, this year's been full of things that we've heard of many, many times, and they've eventuated, even though I had some doubts on one or two that I won't uh, mention again. <laughs> Mass Effect. So, the Korean review board has accidentally... Well, not accidentally, but essentially has outed the game. Um, So, you know, Mass Effect trilogy, the remastered trilogy, it's been long rumoured. It seems like, like, you know, in the industry, people have been told about it and it's just like, hey, it's a matter of time. Um, And yeah, now that there's actually been a review from the Korean board and tip... I don't... Can you think of one single example where like a serious review board has put a review of a game and then the game's never come out. I can't think of any. That's why yeah, I put I this, that's why I put this story in because there's so many other times when you could have been like cuz there's been previous things mentioned in the last month and a bit about yes. it. Yes. And I'm like this is Listings the one. I'm, and stuff like this that, is yeah. the one this this is when I'm putting it in because um it's also now going to name in that in that listing, and who knows the may, may, name may change or it may be um, region specific, but Mass Effect Legendary Edition, I reckon, is an awesome name. Yeah, it's a really really cool name. Um, yeah, and you're right. There's been a lot of listings, but listings. There's been examples of listings that have gone live and then they've never actually eventuated. Um, so that you can't trust those ones because they also give hype to the the retailers that have that stuff so but yeah this this seems now inevitable and it's kind of a funny one because it it, from what i can understand it seems like reporters have been informed about this by ea hey i'll give you some background mass effect trilogy for christmas gonna be huge next gen all this other kind of stuff but probably targeting the old gen but playable in next gen and then they haven't heard anything about it. And it's like all kind of leaking slowly. And now it seems like it's going to be a 2021 game. And now people are saying it's been delayed. And I'm like, how can, how can you say it's been delayed when it's never been announced? Well, like Surely you can't say it's delayed. But no, but the reports were it was delayed because it was originally scheduled. That's why. But, but you, you get where I'm coming from, right? I don't think you can ever say that's actually officially delayed. No, but it's an yeah, an internal delay. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But internal delays happen all the time. I don't think there's one single game that hasn't had an internal delay. But it's just, I mean, any news people can get on this. (laughs) It's true. So I I just want to say, yeah, go on, go. That um, I was just going to say, yeah. So it's it includes all the DLC, which is huge because. While expected, so we do we know that we know that from the yeah. Korean review no, board. So the review. Okay, let me just say, this information is all still like until they officially announce it. 
you there is there is always that element of okay, you know, like we got to wait for final confirmation. But gen the general consensus from all the reports is that well, we knew it would be all three games, but that it does include the DLC and some of those packs like uh, Lair of the, the Shadow Broker are pretty substantial. So that's that's really good. Um, yeah, and the reports are also saying no multiplayer for Mass Effect Three, which is actually a big shame um, because. Out of all the games, single player games that in their sequels added multiplayer, um, and that was kind of a thing in the 360 generation, like, oh, we're going to add multiplayer. Even like Metro Prime 2 did it, you know, and it's like people felt it was tacked on, it was unnecessary. Mass Effect 3 is the one that did it well. Um, people loved that multiplayer. Um, I wasn't a huge fan, but I knew that people, I, I knew a guy that was like the top guy in Australia at it. Like, he just oh, played okay. it all the time. Um, it makes sense from like server perspective, but it was also it was it also had like loot boxes and stuff in it. And I wonder if the reason is because the whole loot box thing for they'd have to rework all that stuff because the general you know everyone hates loot boxes now, and yeah. the amount of rebalancing and everything that would take it's just like let's just not include it, you know. Plus the server issues and and stuff like that. So. Yeah, and it might be a lot of work to actually rip that out of the game. Exactly. So I think that's yeah. probably the main reason why it's probably because the whole the whole multiplayer was built around those loot box uh, progression and stuff. And and what what it, I know you've got some controversial opinions about this. So your predict prediction is this going to come out? Sorry, announced on November seventh. Yeah, that I mean that's a that's that's a pretty common prediction. So it's not like I'm unique in that. Um, it makes sense. <laughs> Um, not come out, sorry, to be un- unveiled, like announced. Okay. Um, the- oh, which which is screwed for us because just, you know, selfishly, when we record, like it, it's probably going to be just after we finish recording. So, or like just before we record. The thing the thing that, that puts some doubt on that for me is the fact that that's just before the launch uh, um, of the consoles. And, they and made- it's a Saturday. Yeah, and they may think, yeah, but I mean, in seven days, kind of like whatever day that falls on, I guess. But I know, I know, but it's um, like if you're in marketing department, doing it on a Saturday is like going to piss off your partners in um, yeah. media. So the the one the thing to me is that okay, it's literally just before the launches, so it could get buried. And plus, if it's not going to come out to next year, um, you know, they may choose to have a shorter amount of time between announcement and and release. So. That is that's a prediction. I don't think it will be, but I'd say it's likely. I don't know. It's weird. It's kind of like if it wasn't for those launch new consoles, I'd, I'd definitely put money on it. Can I can I say my prediction? Yes, I think U.S. time. So let's just base everything in U.S. time because that's how it all works. On the Thursday night, they'll have an announcement. This is the fifth. On the Thursday night, on the fifth, they'll have an announcement around, and they'll make it really obvious that it's you know, a Mass Effect related thing. Hey, we've got a big announcement on the 7th of November and then they'll work with all the media partners to go, here's the trailer. This is what it looks like. Write your stories up, get them ready to roll. And then, yeah, they'll have like the, you know, VOD go live on the 7th. And then they announce Mass Effect Andromeda Remastered. (laughs) Yeah, it'd be funny if they included it into their Mass Effect. Imagine the (laughs) remastered. But no, oh, no. Do you know what man. they do? They should make it so you have to beat Andromeda to then unlock the other three games. <laughs> Look, 
I say I, I love to joke about this and I actually really like Andromeda. Like, but it's still funny to joke about because man, people hated that game. Um, but I'm obviously I'm super pumped for this. Um, I'm yeah, a huge yeah, Mass Effect fan. Um, I've still got so to finish Mike, uh, right? Definitely Mike. Yeah. Um, I've still got to finish the Japanese version of Mass Effect Two. That's kind of on my bucket <laughs> of course list. You do. Unfortunately, it's got unobtainable <laughs> achievements, so you can't technically complete it, um, which is annoying. But it's uh, I. I'm really looking forward to playing through them again. I'm not looking forward to another run of Mass Effect 2 Insanity. That's annoying, but it is, I guess when you get into it, it's fun. Um, the, the the thing for me with this, and one of the rumoured reasons that it's been delayed um, is because they're trying to, I guess, it, it's Mass Effect 1, apparently. Uh, Mass Effect 1 plays very differently than number 2 and number 3. So, yeah. Mass Effect 1 is an RPG that has shooting mechanics, whereas um, number 2 and 3 is a third-person shooter with RPG mechanics. It's the, you know, the waiting is so different. Oh, I didn't know that. Because I only played number 1. So, I mean, they, you still run around, still third-person, but it's number, from Mass Effect 2 and 3, they, they play really well. Uh, Mass Effect 1 does not play very well at all um but the weird part is that i mass effect one is my favorite for a number of reasons like i love the you know the, the plot of the first one and the characters and stuff but i actually love the mechanics more because it it's just it suits me more like it's more rpg um they took away a lot of the customization for number two they streamlined it um you, you and they brought some of that back in number three which was great and andromeda had heaps of it um so that's why I actually really like Andromeda because it's actually kind of closer to Mass Effect 1 in that regard. But Andromeda has the best combat by far. Um, just, you know, it's it's also the most modern game, so that makes sense. But he, the I my thought is that I I hope they don't make Mass Effect 1 play like Mass Effect 2 and 3 because that's not why I like... Like, I want to play Mass Effect 1 if I'm going to play Mass Effect 1. And I know I can go play the old one. A lot of people want them to rework the gameplay to play like it. So that's... Also, they want it to play like Mass Effect 2, Mass yes, Effect 1. Yes, because yeah. I, I'm not... I don't going, like that. I don't like that. Yeah, I'm not going to go and say that... Like, Mass Effect 2 plays way better. Like, that was... There's a reason why that game is considered the best in the series by a lot of people. One um, of the best it, games of all time. Yeah, and it it's a lot of that's because they... they they took the formula from number one and they, they made it work really, really well. But just personally, I just really like number one. Now, what I don't like number one is, you know, cookie cutter, um, you know, you go to a planet and it's got the same building, the same layouts and stuff. Like, yeah, the things yeah. I don't I like about... That, yeah. yeah, there's things I don't like about number one. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Um, I kind of almost wish that that's what they'd change is just kind of fix up some of that stuff. But the... The actual gameplay, um, yeah. So I hope they don't because I'd like, if I'm playing through Mass Effect 1, I want to play through it where it looks really good, runs really nice, but doesn't play like Mass Effect 2. But I understand why people would hope that they kind of rework it. It's just not what I want. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting because, you know, the the juxtaposition of movies and games, it's like movies, almost always for me, the original is better than the sequel. Whereas games, very often it's the opposite. It's the the sequel is better than the original, and a bit of a hint for our special feature later when we're covering uh, Diddy's Conquest. Um, 
yeah, I'm I'm in the same camp as you. I hate when they've taken a trilogy or you know multiple games, remastered them, and I understand economically why they do it. They put it all on the same engine, but often the original games had different mechanics or different you know game feel, and like it goes all the way back to the old days when I said I don't like Super Mario All Stars because they unified the mechanics of Mario, whereas Super Mario Brothers and Super Mario Brothers Three. Like, Mario felt different in those two games. He didn't move the same. And I, I just, I never liked that they unified it. And I understand they did that with Crash in the um, remastered trilogy as well. So I'd be shocked if they don't do it in this as well. Like, they'll unify it under one engine. And um, yeah, it, it's likely, yeah. And maybe as well when they're doing their playthroughs of Mass Effect 1 with the new engine and movement and everything it's sort of a bit a bit off or something so what they with mass effect so when they released the pc port of it they reworked a lot of the the menus and the inventory and they really improved that so there's no no doubt in my mind that that's the version we'll be getting at a minimum which is great um they're the kind of stuff if you're going to change a game change the quality of life change the menus change things um about being able to Oh, when you go to sell something, you can sell the whole stack. You know, that's yes, a yes, RPG yes. Thing, please, but, yeah, um, <laughs> please. That they're the kind of things that if you're going to improve about it, um, and that's the stuff. Like, I really liked the Kingdom of Amalur, a Kingdoms with yeah, Kingdoms, Kingdoms I of to Amalur. Go back and change every video. <laughs> um, I really liked that remaster, <laughs> but when it came to the inventory, they didn't really touch that stuff um, very well. So that was a little disappointing for me. And they're the things that I want them to fix if they're going to fix anything. Um, yeah. Yeah. Not not the actual core gameplay. And and from what we understand at the moment, it's PS4, Xbox One, and probably PC bound at this stage. There's rumors around a Switch release at some stage as well. Yeah. I'm sh- I, I wonder if they'll just by default be backwards compatible with the new platform. So... Yeah, but no, that's what I'm saying. I think that that's what they'll do. I don't think they're making a PS5, Xbox Series X version of it at this stage at least. Maybe down the track, maybe a year later. Uh, The Switch one will be interesting because I think Switch, I feel like it'd be a new audience for them and it could go gangbusters on the Switch. Um, But yeah, it'll be, you know what? Like they probably could look into stuff like uh, Bioshock and how well that's selling because that's a really good example. If if it, Kind of if, similar. It, if it's on Switch, and I, I hope you can choose which game to download, um, as opposed to having to download all three if you get it digitally. Yeah, they're pretty janky with that stuff. Normally, yeah. they'll have the first game, so they'd have like Mass Effect 1 on the cart, and then you have to download 2 or 3, and it's just like one big download. Those... Some of the games, you have to do it. You can't even just play the first one by itself it's really that, annoying because those games are like 20 30 hours long so you know the need to download all three at once would suck but yeah yeah i think that's that's the way they'll do it unfortunately which yeah would be really annoying i like the way that uh the master chief collection does it like you can pick whatever game you want to install on the pc and delete it when you don't need to play it. it's a really really good way to do it and it, it, that gives us a good segue into uh microsoft matters so this week, uh, Phil Spencer sat down with Kotaku uh, for an interview, and I thought like there was a lot of interesting revelations in this article. So we don't normally just bring up a specific article, but yeah, there's just a couple of things that they said, or he said, that 
made me pause for thought and then also just like what it means for the generation. And it kind of also reflects on some of the stuff you've said in the past. Um, so some of the sort of like the big points, the first one that I was really surprised about that he actually, because, and, and just one thing to be clear, like, cause I've seen some people say some weird stuff around this. Phil Spencer cannot say things. He doesn't have a reasonable ground to believe are true. Right. Because he's, executive vice president of a publicly listed company you can't just go out there and say stuff that could misinform the market you can't like legally do that so when people are saying oh he's only saying this for this and that no 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 like they need to be able to prove that there's a reason why he's saying these things and he believes them so the, the first one is that series s he expects to outsell series x i was like hmm really because the initial pre-orders are way in favor of series x and Series S is still the only next-gen console you still can get. So you can still get one in Australia. In I believe even on launch, you can still get a Series S. And in the States, you still can pre-order it as well. So, like, do you think that's going to be right? Like, what, what did make you think when you heard that, Swinney? So he clarified that he thinks at launch, the Series X will, like, for the first initial period. Yeah, yeah so, so I should say over time. Over yeah, time. yeah. Um. Yeah, that whole reasonable grounds thing kind of puts a bit of doubt on my, what I'm about to say. But the, I wonder if this is a way to kind of prop the Series S up a bit by him trying to kind of say this. And I know this is one random interview. This isn't a press release or anything like that, you know. And he's probably Correct. like he is probably not expecting this to go viral news because. Other than us talking about it, I haven't seen it be a headline or anything, um, like huge headline. Um, it's it's weird. I I doubt, doubt it myself, but I also have a way less knowledge about everything than he does about this. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, yeah, it's interesting. And, and that that's the part, you know, because it... it he just can't say stuff like you can you can bend the truth and all this other kind of stuff you can say it in a way that is kind of like you go well that's a personal view or whatever right like there's legal ways to get around that but the way he sort of framed it was like kind of he he referred to we or like i think at one point he said model around some of the things that he was talking about and to me, it's a bit of a jigsaw puzzle. And and just for context, I used to do like investment analysis. So like actually look at financial disclosures and what people say in companies and they have to say certain things. So then you can work out backwards. Like, what does that mean? How is that going to be achieved if you really believe that? So when he said this, because to me, gut feel, this seemed completely wrong. Like if the setting is 300 US dollars for a Series S, and then what is it? Four hundred US dollars for a PlayStation Five digital, and then five hundred US dollars for the Series X and the PS Five. That's my recollection. I think that's right. Is that right, Swinny? Mm. I'll run with it. Yeah, um, run run with it because I'm like I, so I'm, I'm not I'm sure. Pretty sure that's right. I'm pretty sure that's right. And I think it's like two hundred two fifty for a Switch in the states. Now, when he said this, I, I still don't believe it makes sense. Right. Like, I get there's a differential, but, you know, gaming, you know, people have been paying these $500 for these consoles, like, and that's fine. The only way it makes sense to me with what he's saying, and and I'm actually going to bring back something you said when this all came out, like, maybe four or five podcasts ago. 
if I had a model and modeled it in, to me, it wouldn't map out. It wouldn't make sense. But if my model said for Christmas 2021, and you're going to remember like manufacturing will amp up and they'll have more consoles. Christmas 2021, we're going to do $100 price cut on the Series S. Then it starts to be like, ooh, hang on. You know, if it, if it's like three hundred Australian dollars, two hundred US dollars, that's just a proposition for people who have a Switch, who you know have a PS Five that just go, jeez, like that's just so tantalizing. And if they bundled that up with, hey, you get a year of Game Pass Ultimate or something like that, you know, it gets to a stage where you really do kind of go, it's almost an offer too good to refuse. You know, especially if it's your second console or something like that, or it's just a box to play, you know, xCloud and all these type of things. And it kind of marries up to what you said, because I think if they did do like a $100 price cut that aggressively, that early in the generation, economically, how do you make that work? And it goes to what you said, they're not selling an Xbox, they're selling Game Pass now. Mm. And you can see that with the numbers and the strategy that they're doing, the acquisitions. And I'm like, you know what, if they did that, and I don't think they're taking that much of a bath, given the way that the Series S is built, and if they can ramp up the production of it, I'm starting to go, maybe that would actually work. And secondly, the Series S may outsell the Series X. I mean, if it's that much of a difference, you know, you look at it and you go, geez, like, you know, like, why would I not get it? You know, parents, they look at it, oh, if you get a second console for the kids because they're fighting, oh, it'll just pick up a Series S. You know, like, what do you think of my crazy speculation? Yeah, look, I I think the retail bundles um, would, how they package all that stuff is going to be key with this because, as you said, like, your parents walk in, it's Christmas time, they go, oh, a kid wants an Xbox or, or what, a kid wants a console. At that point, the kid's probably told them what they want. Let's let's not, you know, <laughs> let's not kind of, you know, be ignorant of the fact that kids are always going to tell their parents which console they want. Yeah. Parents don't always listen, though. Um, yeah, but it's like okay, you know, oh, oh they he wants an Xbox for Christmas. It, it it makes sense that you know if there's a bundle that says okay that yeah they get Game Pass for a year, maybe it's bundled in with um you know the the latest who knows maybe the latest bloody but there's the game or something. Um, yeah. it's the the bundles are a key to this. I think um, it's almost like the Series X in the future could be like here is like the i'm trying to think the right terms not hardcore or pro gamer but he's like the the person who wants the best the top level and he's like the enthusiast yeah and he here is the he's i guess the the regular joe the regular joe console you know um i still would be surprised if it happens myself but um who knows like this this is the first time that um, both, you know, we've we've had Sony and Microsoft release two very different consoles, especially Microsoft. You know, the Sony difference is very minimal, but um, like these are two wildly different consoles. You know, we've had different and strategies, yeah, and we've had different um, SKUs before when they launched with oh, here's this one launched with Xbox Arcade version with the the main version, but they're essentially still the same console. This is like completely different, so it's going to be really, really interesting. Yeah, and the other thing that supporting my crazy theory because if they if they were going to do this, they would be planning it now, right? Is that 
in the Australian market, for whatever reason, they added essentially another 50 bucks onto the price of the Series S. Now, if you're setting a pricing strategy, and, and this is actually making me convinced that they're going to do this, man. In 18 months, they'll drop the price of the Series X by like $100. The more I think about it, I'm like more convincing myself of this. So the way it works is you set your pricing strategy, but if you know that a setting like that is going to change, you need to be considerate of the factors, right? And one thing is, you know, FX fluctuations and things like that. If you're pricing it differently into other markets, you need to potentially even put a bit of a buffer in because you never know what's going to happen to different economies. And, you know, you're putting a price setting in that, Eventually, you might not even be able to have a price drop in that other country because of the way that the currency is, and they hedge it and everything, but it still has an impact. Given that they've got that extra 50 bucks, it sort of then kind of makes sense for the Australian context. It should have been priced at, uh, I think it was 450 but it was $500 Australian. Now, that allows them to go, okay, well, you know, we're priced it at, you know, essentially 499 We can drop it to 399 in Australia within a year or 18 months. And as a pricing strategy, you'd set that at the start. So I'm going to keep my eye on this. I'm going to call this out if I am able to guess this. But um, I thought that was a really, really interesting part of the article. The other one was that I think more people picked up on uh, around the direct question was asked, hey, how how are you going to make your recoup your investment? I think that's how it was framed in ZeniMax, Bethesda Studios, if Elder Scrolls 6... Starfield, all these games don't come to PS5. And he straight up just said, look, from our perspective, we've looked at the numbers and it will stack up even if we don't release it on PS5. Like that was super interesting to me. That to me indicates their own modeling of what's going to happen with Game Pass. It's just going to be like, they're going to be making bank through that. So then even more the lens of, you know, just getting people on Xbox as cheaply as possible or on PC is going to be the key to the strategy or getting it available on lots of different systems. And that kind of gets me to the last point around Nintendo. Now, Phil Spencer has been going out of control, just celebrating Nintendo recently, like talking on and on about how good Animal Crossing is, how great Nintendo is, you know, allowing, you know, big Microsoft characters to be in Smash Brothers, like lots of things, right? And then in this article, they're sort of hinting at Game Pass coming to Switch. And he's very coy about it. He's sort of, you know, saying, yeah, I'd love to have it on. But at one point he was like, I think you need them to answer the question. And man, I'm starting to think, I think there's a real chance that Nintendo does do a deal with with Microsoft in some ways to get something like an xCloud onto the Switch. And then have a revenue share deal or something along those lines. Because from a business sense, it makes a lot of sense with, you know, Xbox picks up a bunch of people, gets subscriptions. Microsoft's already shown a propensity to do revenue sharing deals. They've recently done a deal with GameSpot in America that if they sell subscriptions in store, GameSpot gets a cut of that profit permanently or for a timed period of time at least, like a trail. And yeah, I think like Nintendo, maybe they would, yeah, pick up, you know, 20% of of that revenue of Game Pass, uh, and then maybe they'll have some restrictions on how it would work, but that would be really interesting, man. Imagine, like, being able to play xCloud on your Switch. Well, like, that, that'd be cool. That, that's that been a rumor for a long time. I, I, know, I know. And 
if they, I mean, Nintendo doesn't allow it, but then allows a game like Pantsu Hunter on the <laughs> store, or oh my god, there's so many bad well, games like that are just like, how does Nintendo of old would not allow this on? What is going on? Um, what, what's happening? Like, and I know it's very different, but um, it's but it's not because of that. It's not because of the adult nature. They're not worried about that. Obviously. I know. They're I worried just, about the business. I, I know. I just it. wanted to mention yeah. Pantsu Hunter. Sorry. I just, anytime <laughs> I can, I can bring up the fact that that's on Nintendo eShop. I will. Um, but yeah, it's. I it makes sense to me. Um, what makes sense to me even more is that they um, just bring across more titles just natively, like rare rare replay and stuff we've talked about. Well, they've actually. Like, that was another part of the article, that they were sort of saying that they're going to start limiting that type of stuff. But Rare Replay out of every every single I don't think it's going to happen. No. So, look, he he pretty much, if you read between the lines, saying, like, they want to stop doing that stuff. But to me, from a business perspective, I read it as we've played nice with Nintendo. We've shown what we can do. We want more of these games in the gamer's hands, but through Game Pass, through xCloud. Now, you know, if you want to have the rare replay, okay, you've got to do it through xCloud or Game Pass or whatever. And that's the gateway in. And given the new president of Nintendo, he seems much, much more willing to do deals like this. My gut feel is when they announce the Switch Pro next year, I wouldn't be shocked if part of the announcement is like a partnership with Microsoft to enable something like an xCloud. And they'll do it in a way that protects Nintendo, as they always want to do, but allows you to play even further sort of next-gen titles on the Switch as long as as well with all the exclusives on the Switch. And that's a win-win for both parties. I think Microsoft would be more than happy to be making X amount of dollars per month for quote-unquote Xbox gamers and they're just playing with a Switch. Like, they don't lose in that equation, and Nintendo doesn't really lose either, because a lot of those titles aren't going to be coming out to Nintendo anyway. Yeah, it's it'll it's it's going to be interesting to see where everything's at in five years. That's all I'm Oh, saying. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, it, it's super interesting, hey? It's like, I don't know, I love the business side of things, and it's like... Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't tell. It's just, but it's super fascinating because I don't think we've ever seen a generation where all three competitors have literally got different strategies. Like, it's crazy. It's like, I've never seen it. And I'm actually, I'm really impressed with Phil Spencer and the team. Like, because they're clear third and they, they have to do something completely different. And they've gone really hard in that direction. And people like me who are, you know, lapsed Xbox gamers, I'm like, eh. I keep looking at it and go, oh, you know, Game Pass, it's a pretty, pretty good deal. It's, it's going to get me. It's going to get me eventually, man. <laughs> and that's like an impressive thing about a business model. If eventually people just feel like, oh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get on top of this. So, And um, maybe let's get into uh, other news just around availability of consoles. So I was chatting to my local, so this is only like me confirming this really. <laughs> so you have to take my word for it. Um, so I was in my local EB and I know their store manager and I was kind of chatting about the PS5 and Xbox and I was interested to know if they're going to do like walk-in consoles. They've always had walk-ins, right? Like you line up, you get your console 
And the COVID situation in Australia, it's pretty decent in New South Wales. God, I can't pretty... even walk into the EB at the moment anyway, physically. <laughs> oh, you have to call them, right? <laughs> by the way, I think uh, they've increased us to uh, 25 kilometers. Or they're, yeah, going, thank to, God. they're going to, at least. I can't. I'm yeah, I heard that. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that they'll slowly start uh, opening up and hopefully finally my parents can meet my new son that they haven't met for like two months. It's like crazy, man. They haven't met him yet. He's not even going to be like a little baby. But anyway, um, yeah, so I was chatting to the store manager and I was just asking, hey, what are they going to do? And she was just like, look, they're not going to have any consoles like at all from a walk-in perspective in 2020 for Series X and PS5. So... I mean, like, that's probably not a shock, but yeah, it's like pre-orders only. And then the other thing she said was that Sony reached out to EB and told them to stop offering pre-orders for 2021 for PS5s. And it was essentially because they did not know what level of consoles they'd be able to manufacture or something like that. I was like, whoa, this is this is uh, some juicy details for the potty this week. <laughs> You've... You you're the man in the know. You got the you got <laughs> the connections. <laughs> but it, I mean, it all makes sense though when you think about it, right? Like a pandemic and everything like that. And you know, the consoles are hot, man. People are really wanting to buy these consoles. So yeah, so I don't know how you're going to get your Series X this year, dude. <laughs> I have, I've said from the start that unless something changes, I wouldn't want one until next year anyway. So okay, I'll, I'll say it like this: I feel my gut feel for you is that. When you, if you see it in store, you know, when Victoria opens up and everything and they finally have it in store, it's probably 2021, you'll just buy the bullet one day. You'll see it in the store and go, ah, oh, stuff it. Oh, yeah, I'll buy one of these. See, I, I said before, like, there's, I need a reason for those new consoles. So I got my One X because I was playing a game that ran like absolute crap and I heard that it yeah. was optimized. Um, for the One X, so it ran at a higher frame rate. So that's why I bought a One X. So it's I as I said, like if there's a Dark Souls three remastered that runs at sixty frames, that's when I'll get the Series ah, X. Okay. So if you're a PS gamer, you probably would go across, given um, the oh Jesus, like I've I've blanked on the name of the game that's getting remastered that's releasing on PS five. Demon launch. Demon Souls. Demons Souls. It's a freaking hard name to say as well. So yeah, so you would have probably dipped into the PS5 then if you're a PS gamer. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, and I guess that's less of a remaster and that's a that's a remake. Yeah, but you know what I mean. You know yeah, what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Like that 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 would have been the type of game that you'd be like, all right, I'm getting in on this. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, so many of the games, especially with Xbox, are you know available on the current gen. It sort of doesn't give you much of a reason to jump across. Yeah, like Valhalla is the one game that I'm super pumped to play and I'm going to be playing on, on on the One X, so. Yeah, you did slip last time that you would want to play it on the Series X. It's tempting. That That's the only game that would tempt me. But um, <laughs> the, I but as I said, like I'd rather play the worst version first anyway because with, to get a little off topic. Um, it's achievements, is what I'm going to say. Yeah, so I, you know, I've mentioned <laughs> many times I, I focus on RPGs. I don't care about achievements in other games with a, with one big series exception, which yeah, is Assassin's, Assassin's Creed. Creed. Now, the interesting part is that the recent titles and are now RPGs. So it's it's they've met in the middle. 
So now it's true. Now, now only they've, folks. They've changed. Yeah. they've changed for you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into some entertainment news. Uh, the Monster Hunter movie trailer came out. I'll, I'll let you take the reins on this one. Okay, so we've had a few teasers for a while, um, but the new Monster Hunter movie trailer got uh, shown off for the first time. So the movie uh, stars Mila jo- Jovovich. Jovovich? I never know how to say that. Uh, Tony Jaa, who I found out this week, you have no idea who Tony Jaa is, so that was that's good timing. Um, and <laughs> he, I don't. I still don't. Yeah, and... Uh, <laughs> And T.I. Uh, so it's directed by uh, Paul W. Sanderson, uh, best known recently, at least in the last couple of decades, for the amazingly well-received Resident Evil movie series. <laughs> Isn't he also the husband of Milo Jovovich? Uh, I believe so. I don't... Uh, I guess we can quickly... Or is it the that. producer? Or is it the producer? No, I'm, they're, they're definitely connected in some way, but it's one of those things where you just never know if people still together or not. Um, so... But the the flip side is he also directed Mortal Kombat, the Mortal Kombat movie. So yeah. he directed what a lot of people consider as the best uh, video game movie, but also some of the worst video game movies that weren't made by Uwe Boll. So I don't think Mortal Kombat's regarded as one of the best. Um, video game a lot movies. of people I consider it the best video game movie. Yeah, from like a cheesy perspective. No. Just the fact that it's it's the true it's true to the games it's it's when you say when you take it as a movie and say how does this stack up against other movies then you that is a very different thing but when you're talking about as a video game movie that is there for pure entertainment that's okay how faithful it is to the games how much does it make you feel like it's part of the games uh, Mortal Kombat is very well considered it's all it's also got Fear Factory in the soundtrack I mean come on MKFMDM so. uh. Yeah, no, Mortal Kombat Kombat is a lot of people consider that. Like, that, I'm not, that's not a controversial opinion. That is a common opinion. Okay. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, I just checked. They are, they are married. Okay. Um, So the trailer shows off, honestly, some really good monster designs. Um, Yes, I'll give it that. I'll give it that. The monsters look pretty cool. It has Black Diablos, um, Gormagala, who I'm not not familiar with because I've only played World and Rathalos, of course. And the movie is coming out. The end of the year, December 30th mm. in the US. Who knows what is... I don't even... The concept of going to cinemas in Australia, like, I, at this point, it's just over. Do, I, okay, so we're going to keep reminding the audience, you're in lockdown in Victoria, which is the second biggest state in Australia. I'm not in lockdown in the biggest state in Australia. We actually have very similar case numbers for coronavirus. <laughs> and honestly... Things are just kind of like normal in New South Wales, yeah. in Sydney. So you know, and I, I'm still debating. I'm going to go see Tenet at the cinemas. So, um, as for the trailer itself, well, yeah, it, I mean, it looks it looks like terrible. Yeah, <laughs> thank you, thank God, thank God you said that. Oh yeah, I thought like, you were going to say it looks good. I was no, like, it, what? It looks terrible, but it it's also horrible. it looks horrible, but it also looks like it might be a little bit of fun. Um, so. <sighs> No, but the thing is, you watch this movie, you don't go into this knowing, thinking you're going to get something with great acting and stuff. Like, the fact that Tony Jaa's in it and he's playing the hunter, like, the way that he's dressed up when he's got the bow, like, there's some elements, so I should state as well, so it seems like 
it's the whole isekai thing with okay there's a whole bunch of like marines or whatever or soldiers and they get pulled into this the monster hunter world which yeah, well, i was actually yeah. happy it happened that way not the other way so i really hope hope that most of the film is set in the monster hunter kind of world and not oh two-thirds of the way through the film that they go in there and the first two the first two-thirds are the monsters coming to our world you know that's the whole movie that's what it will be i feel like we could make up what the movie is they're you know this ragtag group they're sort of like not doing too well they want to retire the team or whatever they get sucked into this portal they demonstrate their, their, you know, good, and then they're trying to stop them from going into our world, quote unquote. And they think they have, but one monster does get through Rathalos. I'm, I'm guessing into our world, and then it's for this team. They're the only team that can do it, and they're going back to Earth, and they they kill the monster. I think I think Rathalos is going to end up. Being, I probably wrecked the being movie. a good guy in this. Actually, I reckon Rathalos will end up. Well, being... anyway, I don't. I don't. Yeah, I'm yeah. actually not that close to like, Monster Hunter, but that's the kind of shape of the movie that they're going to do. Yeah, but I just didn't want it to be like a Smurfs in New York thing, you know? Where... Oh no, no, it's not going to be that. Yeah, because um, I think they also want to keep the budget low, so it's way cheaper to film like like in the jungles and the deserts and stuff like that. Like if you look at the trailer, it has no like extras <laughs> it's like nothing yeah. but, to keep the movie cheap so so on the visual side like there, there's some stuff that's done really well um from the trailer yeah, from the trailer like the yeah the act there's a shot that looks straight out of monster hunter world where um there's like the tropical lush um like beach with the monsters walking around and stuff that looks out straight out of the first area of monster hunter world so there's some stuff that's really cool um paul w sanderson's also mentioned it seems like he actually does have a you know a, a real liking for the series or at least know some <laughs> stuff about it because you know he's been talking about like palicos and stuff and obviously part of that's marketing and things but yeah but dude like look at resident evil man I know, I know. Like, I'm not. I'm not saying that's what I said. It looks terrible, but I'm just trying to pull pull out the some of the positives before I just crap all over it. So it's there's some elements that I think that that are interesting and it's something I should be keen to watch. But it's I have no delusions that this is going to be anything but an absolute just piece of crap. So yeah. I just hope that the some of the action scenes are cool. Like as I said, Tony Jar is awesome. Um, like Ong Bak and and the Protector and everything. Those films are so good. Uh, so I hope he gets to do a bit of his martial arts uh, Muay Thai stuff. That'd be cool. But yeah, yeah, it's other than that, I don't know. I'm I'm guessing. Yeah, we already know you think it's terrible. But any other thoughts? Well, no, it's okay. So my thoughts around this are just that you know I haven't seen the Sonic movie, but I've heard positive things about it. I actually really liked the Pokemon movie. I, I feel like, you know, those type of game movies, like, Sorry, they're getting better. Detective Pikachu, you mean? De- yeah, but it's a Pokemon movie, right? Dude? Yeah, but the po- Pokemon's had many movies, so I just wanted to clarify you mentioned sure, Detective Pikachu. Sure, okay, yeah, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. But that one in particular. Like, what I'm saying is, a lot of these movies, they're actually, it's not just the, you know, let's just put a B-tier movie out and put a, a license around it, right? Like, I feel like some of these movies are actually trying to be half-decent movies now. And to me, this is just such a throwback to just, you know, a crap movie and put a license around it. It just, you know, in the combination of the husband and wife team here, just make it just, I won't watch it. Like, not interested. The the thing is, unlike, say, Resident Evil and things like that, 
I I think if you're gonna do it to a series, like Monster Hunter's okay to do a schlocky action film. You don't, don't it, you don't need you like don't need series, a, yeah. you don't need a deep plot. You just need yeah, people fighting it. monsters. That's it. You know. I just don't think they'll make a good movie though. They ha- they they haven't been making good movies. Oh no, I don't think they will. Like honestly, the first Resident Evil wasn't too bad, but um, I anything after that, like I. I tried to watch the sequel and then just never watched any of the rest of them. So I can't personally say it, but I don't think, I think people would understand why <laughs> if we, even if we haven't seen it to say that, then I'm like, right. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's, and, and, and yeah, sorry, go ahead. I was just say, I, I'm, I'm, I'm keen to, to give it a shot. I'm not going to go see this cinemas, um, but if it jumps on a streaming platform, I'll give it a shot. <laughs> I don't think they'll have cinemas in Victoria. <laughs> Anytime soon. I think by the time the run of this movie ends, they won't even have it. So, and was there anything else you wanted to cover with the Monster Hunter? No, no I think I think we said what we need to say about Monster Hunter. That was quite directed quite a, by Paul W. A... Paul W. S. Anderson, starring Mil <laughs> Yeah, I don't think we have confirmation about the Australian release date. So, we'll we'll bring you the latest Monster Hunter movie news. <laughs> Uh, and let's let's keep it on entertainment, I guess you could say. It's various forms of entertainment. Uh, let's get into the next story. So, around an adult entertainer. Maybe maybe you can cover this as well. You're, you're very familiar with her work. <laughs> really? <laughs> I don't know. Okay. So... I'm wondering where all our Patreon money is going to this random OnlyFans account. I don't, I don't even know what this website is. We, yeah, go on, go on. We have Patreon. Wow. Okay. I need, <laughs> I need, to, I need to get into that. Um, so, yeah. So, an adult entertainer and, I guess, an adult TikTok influencer called uh, Pokey... Poke no, Princess? You can't be an adult TikTok. You can't have adult material like that on TikTok. No, no, but as... Okay, all right. Whatever. She's a TikTok influencer. <laughs> Jesus. Semantics. Sorry, sorry. Um, has been forced to rebrand her name, Pokey Princess, uh, after a copyright mm. infringement uh, or cease and desist from Nintendo. So this uh, kind of blew up across a lot of sites. Um, and it's... You know, I think there's just some interesting stuff about this particular story. Um, so apparently, so she's got a, a video on she put up on a YouTube channel that is very, very safe for work. So no concerns about that. Um, well, I hope so because it's playing in our YouTube feed. Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't put that otherwise. I skipped through it. I had to actually skip yeah. through it just to double check. So, uh, so she'd apparently used her name online for about um, uh, eight years, and uh, the video is actually really good. So um, it. She really, really, you know, explains everything, um, and she, she has such a love for Nintendo. Obviously, she's got like tattoos of Pokemon all over and everything. So obviously, she she loves Pokemon, but she's also s- so understanding. Um, so she basically um, she trade trademarked the name or put in an application for trademark and started selling merchandise. That actually, had po- at least Pokeballs on them. I heard maybe Pokemon as well. And at that point, Nintendo obviously paid attention and sent uh, the letter. So she's since uh, rebranded um, to Digital Princess. Um, but it's it's really interesting to me because there's there's so much out there that that you know people like you know merchandise and, and Etsy's and stuff where people do put stuff on. But I think once you start crossing over into the world of you know like adult entertainment or porn or anything then it's it's really interesting i think to see nintendo's approach to this um 
And she's apparently had to actually pay back everything that she'd um, made selling that merchandise. <laughs> so I don't know. That could be a very minimal amount. I have no idea. Um, but it's... Well, can, I, can I just pause you there? Because she's going to make way more than she ever made before. Exactly. Exactly. Um, <laughs> like, we're talking about it, you know? Yeah, exactly. And it's... The like when I saw this story, it's like, oh, that's that's a given. Uh, that's that's super well we do that. But you know, like when you watch the video, like she, I think she's really, really genuine. Um, and I think it's yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. It's it's the same week. I think we also had um the missing link, uh, a Nintendo fan game, also get uh taken down or a cease and desist oh, yeah, thing as right. well. Yeah, but yeah. um, so Nintendo's very, you know, they. are they're always on the ball with this stuff. Um, sometimes they don't, they hit it quite late, you know, when things have come out, which would probably be frustrating. Like I was the, the Metro two remake, uh, the, the one that, you know, they made in the like Metro fusion style or whatever. Yeah, Return of Samus. Yeah. And then they, they, they remade it in game maker and released it. Yeah. And I think like they're different because they aren't attempting to make money off it. Whereas this, you know, she, she's, trying to make money off you know their copyright and it's i think yeah like it was just really really interesting uh, uh like when you read the article in kotaku and games industry biz and that um but also just watch the video it's it's just i think yeah it it's it's good to see a story where someone's just like no i understand i can't yeah, do this yeah. you know she seems like a very cool chick and like very reasonable like, I have zero interest in this whole space, these influencers, TikTok, not TikTok, park that, but like the OnlyFans stuff, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, she seemed pretty cool about it. Like, hey, don't hate on Nintendo. Totally understand where they're coming from. I'm paying it all back. It's all cool, right? And she is going to make all the money back anyway, but it didn't strike me as like she's doing it to like manipulate the situation or anything or a marketing scheme if she is she's a genius because the way she acted in the video is very genuine like i didn't get that sense at all um she was being sneaky but i'm still shocked at how people react to these stories like people obviously don't understand how copyright works if you don't enforce your copyright you essentially start to lose it and it starts to diminish so it's not like nintendo being a bad operator it's that's the copyright system the way the world works. And if you don't go after people for, you know, taking your uh, your designs and trying to sell them and knock them off, if you don't go after them, then certain jurisdictions, you start to lose the right to actually retain them. So that's not in the US, but worldwide. So they kind of have to go after people. And in this case, you know, she's starting to get some press and all this other kind of stuff. And she was selling off knockoff merchandise essentially hmm. so you know i think the way she handled it is the right way hey i wasn't doing the right thing i got caught move on um the thing that interests me a little bit is with the tattoos because she's got hmm. pokemon tattoos right yep now i haven't looked at her merch but i wonder if she's got like anything of her like photos of her or anything like that like you know because there's been more and more lawsuits about tattoos in video games in particular, like, can you legally use tattoos Good and likenesses of tattoos? Bloody Randy Orton. It's always yeah. Randy Orton. Well, no, it's happening on both fronts. It's like some tattoo artists are suing games companies as well because they're saying, well, that's my artwork and I only yeah, gave a license for the person like, to put it on their body. The Randy Orton thing is is, is that. 
is oh is that as well? Sorry, yeah. okay, sorry. I was just thinking because it happened with LeBron James. Yeah, um, so it's, it's in basketball. It's a so thing. Uh, we had a we had a story that was tentative. Yeah, we had yeah. about. Um, and then I took it out because I just it was honestly it was something that kind of was an old story that just resurfaced. But um, yeah, it's it it's interesting. Like, even um, another wrestler, CM Punk, he has a Pepsi tattoo on his on his upper shoulder, <laughs> and whenever he's in the games, that Pepsi tattoo is something else. You know? Oh, really? Yeah, because it's damn. Yeah, it's interesting. So, so that's that's a that's a weird edge case that I just wonder. Like, you know, if you're selling a video and you've got that, it's uh, you know, I guess legally you'd probably go. People aren't watching the video to look at the Pokemon character designs; they're looking at other things. So, uh, <laughs> to put it delicately, but. Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting case. I think she's handled it really well. She's going to make a stack of money from it, gain a bunch of OnlyFans fans. Um, yeah, so I think kind of like everyone wins so, in a way. So when are you starting your OnlyFans? <laughs> uh, soon, hopefully. <laughs> so <laughs> there's no segue all here. That, all, that um, dirty, all that dirty business talk. Just <laughs> uh, Yeah, exactly. So there's no good segue here. So I just launch into because these these aren't associated these topics. But um, beyond the uh, beyond the summit, sorry. So beyond the summit, I don't know if you've heard of it, Swinny, but oh, you would have, right? Like they host a lot of really really cool events, um, and invitational Smash events and other events as well for other games. But essentially, what they've always been good at is getting the top like twelve, sixteen, eight players. And, you know, putting them in tournaments and doing lots of fun stuff with them. So they're actually sponsoring um, Slippy. So Slippy being the uh, online uh, melee emulator that has rollback netcode in it. And they've made a really mini tournament out of it. And I just wanted to flag it because you you know that I love rules and complicated, like, rules and everything like <laughs> yes, that. Yes, of course. This is so up my alley. Like, it's insane, right? They've made it so that there's three divisions, division one, two, and three, in which three is kind of like an open division. And then it's like, there's eight people in each division and they have a knockout system. So this is almost like in soccer. So they had, they seeded the top eight. It's a sing, single elimination tournament and it's, they're running it over four weeks, right? And genuinely, they got the best players in those regions. So it's all like North America because of the lag, um, which is kind of makes me laugh because the person who promoted Slippy the most is Leffen, who is based in Sweden, and he's not able to compete in this, <laughs> which, I don't know, it just makes me laugh so much. But um, anyway, and there's $5,000 worth of prizes each week, which is pretty big for a Smash tournament. And yeah, so they've got it. So they set it up as division thing, and then it has relegation. So for instance, Hungrybox. Hungrybox lost his first game, so he was eliminated from that you know, Division 1 tournament, then he had to play a winner from Division 2. If he'd lost that, the Division 2 person gets in and he gets bumped down to Division 2 for the next week. And you actually had Axe, who's very good uh, Pikachu player, like the best Pikachu ever in Melee, actually made the character vi- viable. He got relegated into Div 2. So I-, I just love this. I love how like complex they've made this for like four weeks. <laughs> Um, and I think it's also got something to do with Fizzy, who's the guy behind Slippy. Um, he, he's always wanted Melee to be considered like a sport. So yeah, I, I feel like there's a bit of that tone on it as well. So yeah, really cool. I watched a bit of the first week. The second week's happening at the moment, I believe. 
yeah, I think it's really, really cool. Mango, uh, one of the five gods, won the first week's tournament, which was pretty cool against one of the up-and-coming players, Zane. So, yeah, it was, it was really cool. I don't know. Did you get a chance to check out any of it? No, I just... I want there to be a tournament where they just like, all right, we're going to roll a dice and then suddenly Poker Floats comes up as the stage they have to, <laughs> they have to compete on in the finals. Like, to me, that's the stuff... It, it's like the whole, you know, I'm, uh, football, soccer thing is that, you know, I'm not a big sports person in any way. You are. No. But I just would love there to be like, <laughs> I think it's a it's a Jimoan joke or something where it's like they're suddenly multi-ball and there's like 10, <laughs> there's 10 soccer balls you on them. You always say that. I love it. Like, I just want there to be something like kind of like an NFL blitz, but in real life of like, <laughs> man, let's. Let's have like, but they don't work. They don't work. No, but the the point is, I'm not saying a serious thing. Just a fun. We're gonna have a fun match where there's ten balls and how many no, goals they, they can get. You know, they kind of do do that. So they like various. I can't think off the top of my head in football. So when I say football, I mean like soccer association football. I can't think of an example in football, but. In everything else that I follow, there's always like something they do, which is kind of like the arcade quote unquote version. But it's always boring. So, it's always just like, oh, we're, no, they're not really. No, but it's always like, oh, there's it's quicker and stuff. It's not like there's six balls on the field, you know? Like, no, no. The NFL had one where it was like you had to hit certain targets and okay. like things would move okay, and they'd okay. have moving targets. And no, I don't agree with that. Like, I think they've, they've, like, the NBA has done heaps of work in this space around. Their all-star game. They're getting celebrities to play with the professionals. Like they have like shooting competitions, dunk competitions. Like I think they've done that. The thing is, ultimately, that's good for a novelty, but there's no audience for that permanently, or else it would be a sport, right? Like you know, the real funny stuff. I get what you're saying, but it just doesn't really work in the long run. Anyway, and- back back to Baylor. I just I just like just throwing curveballs and I'm a person that likes playing with stage hazards. So that's just the kind of person I am. Yeah. But you, you, you're fine either way really. But the one thing I will say is like, and it's been kind of cool because some of these new guys coming into smash melee, they've been picking up characters that haven't been popular. Um, you know, like even Pikachu coming through. Right. But I, I, I think it's weird because Melee, the foundations of Melee, I get how it's competitive. I can watch it and get it. But to me, watching Ultimate is just more enjoyable because there's so many more characters, stages. You know what I mean? It's kind of like Melee feels like ugh, a bit too like small or something like that. It's like not enough variety for me. It feels like I'm always watching Foxes and Falcos play all the time. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, it's really cool. I'm keeping my eye on it, and I, I really hope that Slippy continues to grow. All right, well, let's get into my favorite segment before we jump into Donkey Kong Country 2. The bargain bin for Sunday, the 18th of October. So, as we normally do, we kick off with Epic Games. This week, Amnesia Machine for Pigs is free this week, same as Kingdom New Lands, which has previously been free. Uh, next week, we've got sequels. Costume Quest 2 and Layers of Fear 2 free. So no, not like necessarily really heavy hitters recently, but um, what they do normally is some really crazy stuff around Christmas. So yeah, just keep your eye out for that kind of stuff as they as we lead into Christmas. I wouldn't be surprised if they do a daily thing as they did last year. Costume, um, costume not, Quest 2 is good. So uh, pick that up, definitely. 
Oh, correct. Wow, I always pick up every single game. Um, and we didn't really have any call-outs on the Switch or PlayStation this week. Uh, Xbox, I'll throw it to you. Yes. Because there's a lot of announcements. Yeah, so I'm actually going to do something just not different, but I'm just going to just just talk about something for a little bit before I get into everything. So the biggest news story for me personally, or the biggest thing this week, was the fact that um, Tales of Vesperia is now, Definitive Edition is now in... Game Pass on Xbox and PC. And I've talked about Vesperia before. It is one of my favorite all-time games, my top 10. Um, it, yeah, and you, you were surprised last time I mentioned this as a, this time. You just probably don't mention, remember it was Vesperia I was talking about. So Tales of Vesperia is just an absolutely phenomenal game. And the fact that I bought this when it came out um, for like 60, 80 bucks or whatever it was, Australian. The fact that it's now in Game Pass is just amazing like anyone like i cannot recommend this game enough and what the reason why it's so big for me this week is because it's now on uh the windows store and now has <laughs> an achievement list a separate achievement oh, list. man a separate achievement list and what, what are you gonna do if they oh, ever unify man. it so that you play on anything it's just the same achievements well they do some of that already yeah. So, but the thing is, this game, this game is a beast. So the first time I beat all the achievements in the first, because of there's three other versions, um, took me 180 hours to do. <laughs> and the thing is, I whoa, yeah, and <laughs> I definitely got that quicker the second two times I did it. Like Definitive Edition has more to it as well, so I had to figure that out. But um, I actually devised an entire gigantic tracker for the Definitive Edition that. <laughs> So when it came out, Definitive Edition includes the PS3 content. The, so Vesperia, Tales of Vesperia originally came out on Xbox 360, then got ported to PS3, and they had additional uh, content characters and stuff. So when the Definitive Edition came out, all my past information I had to track how to complete this game, because there's a lot going on in this game to, for the completion, was all outdated and all wrong. So I had to get the yeah. Japanese... Tales of Vesperia list and so my tracker is all like half of it in Japanese is like spreadsheets there's thousands of rows tracking all the items and monsters and I'm like I did all that work and now when this came in I'm like I've got it all set up I'm ready to go I'm so wrapped I'm so wrapped so anyone I cannot recommend this game enough so just wanted to really call that out but this actually- I, look, to be honest, I've heard other podcasts where they talk about this game. Oh, it's kind of a weird game so for me good. because I've so good. It didn't. It obviously didn't break through like the mainstream consciousness because it. I don't know. I just don't really hear about it, but I do hear about so it. So it was. It was a big release when it came out, but it kind of did get lost in the annals a bit. Um, there's been lots of Tales games since. None have actually come to Xbox. Um, the Ooh, bit of a hidden gem, you'd say, a hidden gem. Yeah, it's weird. This was actually this definitive edition was shown was uh, announced at the Xbox E3 conference of all things. Like that was a weird thing to see. Like it, I was super pumped, but everyone else was like, "Oh, that's weird." Um, yeah, I mean, the game has sold 1.5 million total. Yeah, when you include all versions, all ports, remasters, everything. So it's one that's thing. Low. One thing I'll say as well is that um, it has easily the best main character of any RPG I've ever played, and I've played Whoa. a lot. Oh, yeah. Okay, right, right. Oh right. yeah. E- Wait a second. Easy. This is the second best RPG player in the world saying this main character is the best main character in RPG. That's huge. For me, for me, because... How have you not been pitching them as a Smash character? 
<laughs> well, people want Lloyd from Symphonia. Lloyd. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard a lot of yeah. people say that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's odd because he's he is very, he's different. He's like he's such a and he's he's voiced by Troy Baker as well, which is cool. Um, the weird the weird part though is that um, for is the, it Yuri? Is that right? Yeah, Yuri. So the weird part okay, is so you're going for Yuri. This is your dream character. <laughs> the the thing is that. For the definitive edition, there's a new dialogue, and they didn't get Troy Baker to do the new dialogue, so you got a different voice oh, actor. So it's a little awkward when it swaps. They tried, they tried, but Troy Baker actually said that he never got asked to do those new lines, which is weird. But I mean, he's a big voice actor, so that's probably why. But they don't want to pay him. Yeah. So all right, I just wanted to really call that out. That's a huge ad to Game Pass, but it's there's some other huge ads this week. It's been a massive Game Pass week, so. It has actually, yeah. So, Age of Empires three Definitive Edition is now available on PC, which I might actually give that a shot. I own Age of Empires three, but it's all on DVDs, so I can't play them. Uh, Katana Zero is uh, now available on Xbox and PC, which looks pretty cool. Yeah, well, there's a hell of a lot of hype around that game. Some people had it as their game of the year. Yeah, it's uh, very it looks super stylish. On yeah, yeah, it looks really cool. And yeah, again. You just play it, right? Game Pass. Exactly. Yeah. Um, a game I I love, I've never played, but I've loved watching a lot of people play is Heave Ho on PC. Um, I wish that was on, on console um, because that would be much easier to get peop- uh, people to play it. Really, really cool co-op um, you know, game where you've got, you control your different limbs and you move around the environment. Really cool style to it. So it's available now. Uh, also available now is The Swords of Ditto, Mormo's Curse on PC, which I don't know much about. Um, so upcoming, we've got Scour- Scourgebringer on uh, Xbox on October 21st. We've got Cricket 19 on Xbox. Woo! Oh, Cricket 19. October baby. 22nd. The, uh, the, like, some people say it's not a bad game, though. <laughs> the, the box art or at least like some key art for it looks like the most uh, boring uh, people... Basically, like, they're just standing there. I'm like, man, you can make it look a bit more exciting. Um, and <laughs> yeah, this is, it's from an Australian studio. Yeah, I think they needed to maybe just make that a bit more exciting. But Uncompromising yeah. independent news from Big Room. <laughs> so, um, and just at the midnight hour yesterday, like, I, I checked the news again. I'm like, God damn, there's more Game Pass announcements. So... On the 29th, there's a huge trio hitting that I'm so, yeah, so pumped for. So we've got um, big LucasArts trilogy, Grim mm. Fandango remastered, Day of the Tentacle remastered, and Full Throttle remastered, all coming on October 29th for uh, Xbox and PC Game Pass. Uh, interestingly, some of these games had actually been available on PS Plus since before, but this is the first time they're available on Xbox in general, not just Game Pass. They've never been on Xbox. So I'm pumped. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, part of it. yeah. They're, so they're brand new as well. So I I love Grim Fandango so much. It's been years since I played it. So I'd probably forgotten a lot of puzzles. So I'm looking forward to that. Day of the Tentacle. I used to speed run that game. Like when I say speed run, personally, just play through quickly. Not like go, go on speed demos archive and put my times up. <laughs> um, so I used to speed run Day of the Tentacle. So I'm pumped to play that again. And Full Throttle never played through completely, but I do like what I played of that game in the past. So man, it- so so. Just on full throttle, so like I don't know why, but this is gonna super date me. But I remember Video Easy. It was like the blockbuster oh, wow. in Australia. They, it's kind of weird when you think back at this, but they, you know, used to rent games. Now people kind of have no concept of that. Now 
it kind of made sense for Super Nintendo, Genesis, stuff like that. Rent game. Okay, you know, it's a cartridge slotted in. But they would actually rent PC games as well. On CD, so, yeah. Yeah, but it kind of didn't make sense because I used to borrow the games and sometimes they wouldn't work because it was like a one-off key or something like that. <laughs> so, and then they'd still put it up on the shelf. It's like so bizarre. So the one game I always wanted to play just because of the box art was Full Throttle. Like they had the limited edition, which was the extra wide big box. And I just, I don't know, just the, you know, it's the back of the day where box art was like huge. It just looked so sick. I was like, damn, I really want to borrow this game. But for whatever reason, it was more expensive to borrow. And I just didn't know anything about the game. But I kind of wish I had borrowed it because it was, yeah, a really great game from all accounts. So a friend of ours is actually a huge fan of it. And he introduced me to Full Throttle. Um, ah, so, and it's got, because I really like that they've also got like the actual motorbike sections in it as well as the actual point and click. Um, I, yeah. I love LucasArts games so much. Um, and I'm so happy. I, I was so happy when they did the remakes of Monkey Island 1 and 2. And I hope that someday they do a remaster of uh, the number three as well. Uh, that's my mm. favorite Monkey Island. So, um, all right. So, with all these being added, we do have some that are leaving Game Pass. So, on, the, uh, on October 30th, we've got After Party le- uh, leaving on Xbox console we've got lego star wars 3 which is backwards compatible game uh the clone wars that's leaving as well rise and shine which is a pretty cool um i think it's like a run and gun uh on xbox and on xbox and pc we've got tacoma leaving and we've got lord of the rings adventure card game leaving ah damn (laughs) yeah you that huge uh, lord (laughs) of the rings buff (laughs) well tacoma is a very short game supposed to be pretty decent i've got it um that's that's definitely a game that you could crack on and get through in like a few days. So, you know, if you haven't played that game, you definitely want to play it. I would crack into that now. Yeah, no, it's very good. Like, I, it's a really funny thing with Game Pass. Like, I'm always on the border of getting it. I think especially now that the strategy is to have a lot of PC stuff early. And they want to get it on PC day and date and stuff like that. And dude, just, especially with Doom Eternal, when that's on PC, I'm like, oh, it's going to be really hard to not get that. Dude, it's been crazy. Like, so I didn't have Game Pass until um, like kind of early this year, and the amount of games I've like, I haven't bought a new game um, with the exception of Chemco games um, in so long. And that's and sorry, and Amalur, Amalur, and those Chemco yeah. games. So. It's because, like, uh, the Outer Worlds, Game Pass, you know. It's the fact yeah. that there's just so many games that come out. Um, I We've almost become the Game Pass Supreme Podcast, and I, I kind of want, I, I think it's genuine, the fact that, um, you know, if you do play a lot of games, you're going to get, no doubt you're going to get your money's worth. There's no question. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, it's more the case of, like, Netflix. If you don't watch it, that's when you lose value. Yeah. If you watch it, like, you're going to be ahead for sure. And, you know, I think we're pretty fair with most of these things. Like, you definitely skew more Xbox, but I think you're still fair in when you're looking at that stuff. And, you know, I think you just got to call call it as you see it. It's like, it's a good deal. Like, like PlayStation people, like heavy PlayStation podcasts, they, they call it out and say it's a good deal as well. Hmm. I, I think it's going to be interesting when... Like, I don't know, I, I get the sense it will come to Nintendo Switch, Game Pass. And then at that stage, PlayStation users are going to be like, oh, you know, damn, I wish we had that. Because their version of it is, is crap compared to what uh, Microsoft are doing. So, 
No, it's awesome. Awesome. Lots of lots of good deals there. Lots of cool games play, to play. Play Vesperia. Oh. Tons of Vesperia. <laughs> well, you know, because it's on PC, man. I'm like looking at it going, I, I, I'm so cheap. I just want like a free one month trial with Game Pass. <laughs> just see how much I would actually play it. But yeah, no, it's very enticing, dude. It's very enticing. All right. Well, let's get cracking into our special segment this week. So this week, as part of a running series now, uh, we're going to go through all the Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong Country series. Oh, uh, that so- nearly went sideways. <laughs> so we've already done uh, Donkey Kong Country, and now we've got Donkey Kong Country 2, Diddy's Conquest. Um, you played it on Nintendo Switch Online because it came available recently on that, correct? Correct. And I intended, and I've already played it on the on my analog, but I'm actually changing the whole setup in my room and everything like that. So I ended up just playing it on the Switch because it was just more convenient and sort of made more sense for what I needed to do. Ooh, controversial. Um, well, why is it controversial? Because you talked talked up that analog deck so much and then you went with the easy option. Oh, no, it's just because I had to buy a shelf and I'm moving my Trinitron into the office. And then it's kind of like halfway through yeah. and I just didn't have okay. time this week. Okay. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, did did you want to uh, take it off, take us off with uh, Donkey Kong Country 2? Yeah, so for anyone that doesn't know, Donkey Kong Country 2 is the sequel to Donkey Kong Country 1. Now back to you. <laughs> You're an idiot. <laughs> no, so the the game uh, came out Super Nintendo, as most people know, but it's had many re-releases, as you said, like, Virtual console releases and things. I'm not sure if it got a Game Boy Advance port um, or not. It did. It did, so yeah. That, so, that's probably the notable one because it's not just a straight port. Like, they did make adjustments to it. So, there's like some of the levels are different and there's some stuff in the Game Boy Advance that's not in the SNES version, but the definitive version is the SNES yeah. version. And so, developed by Rare, as as most people would know, published by Nintendo and came out around December 1995, you know, give or take, depending on the region. Uh, it actually came out yeah. a little early in Japan. Um, so, yeah, this this game is almost like a cornerstone uh, of the SNES library. Um, it's the the one out of the whole series that everyone kind of always talks about. It's like the it's the Mass Effect 2 of the Donkey Kong Country series, you could well, say. It's the Empire Strike Back <laughs> yes. of the original trilogy. Um, yeah, it, it's... It, it might not be everyone's favorite in the trilogy, no. but I would say it is the emergent favorite. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, I don't think it's debatable that you can't say it is the favorite overall. Correct. Yeah. Um, and so I I never had this game as a kid. Uh, you did. Uh, yes, I, I did. did. You, you had the first one. And did you have the third one as well? So I never owned the third one, but I borrowed it um, for a long time off my off a mate. Because um, uh, for me, it felt like you had it. No. Because you had it all the time. No. So, so I just assumed you had it. No, so I didn't get many games as a kid on Super Nintendo. Yeah, um, same. Yeah. And, but my mate seemed to always get the games or movies. <laughs> I don't know how he's... Well, actually, I do know how his family... Yeah, I think we know how. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's keep going. <laughs> for legal reasons. <laughs> but so... Um, <laughs> So uh, he would, he would, and he was awesome. He would just lend me the games, like for like a yeah, month or something. Um, and uh, but so I and I actually borrowed this off you. So it's kind of like you know that just goes to show yeah, did, how yeah. long we've been friends. That 
when this game came out, you know, in those years, but I borrowed this game off you. That is crazy when you think how old we are, yeah. right? Like, we, this game came out and I was conscious and like playing games, got it. And then we talked about it and you played my version of it far out. Yeah. That's wild, man. Yeah. So this isn't, you know, like two people just met up to do a podcast like over 25 years. Um, That's so funny, man. So, yeah, it's, um, so I, because I own Donkey Kong Country 1, um, and I think you mentioned this when we reviewed Donkey Kong Country 1, that I had a lot more of connection number 1 than I think you did. Um, yeah, oh, you, I didn't really play number 1 yeah. when it came out. So the that and the fact that I didn't own number 2 means that we kind of had, I guess, a slightly different approaches to it. I think you were... Like, I loved the game, but because I didn't have it, I was always like... Yeah. Uh, appreciating it from afar a bit until the for the until i get those opportunities to play it you know and, and can we just also say so like because we are so old you, <laughs> it's like black and white tv or something you need to give the context of the situation really like you know it's so long ago really the only thing we ever heard about games was like like on the playground and people would make up lies <laughs> and then the other part of it was that You'd see it through magazines, but now you know. Now that we're a bit more cynical, the magazines, for the most part, were owned by the publishers or the platform creator. <laughs> you know, so of course they're saying this game's great, <laughs> and it's like a really crappy game. And then you find out later it was owned by Nintendo, the mag- magazine that you're buying. <laughs> oh, Hyper wasn't Hyper was. Really they weren't, and that's yeah. yeah. I've got a stack of episodes. I've, I've got all the issues behind me. Actually, I should put it on display. But yeah, I've, I've, and, and just I've, before we go further into the review, I sh- I want to clarify because you know what I'm saying about the Donkey Kong Country series. Like this has become a series of reviews now. I should just call out like we're gonna do. One, two, and three—the original trilogy on the SNES—and then we're going to cover the Donkey Kong Country Returns game on the Wii, and then Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze, which is where you and then came out on Switch as well. So, so, are you playing going to play Returns on the Wii or the 3DS? No, I'll do it on the Wii. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I, I mean, it would be fine if it's on the 3DS as well. Yeah. So, I guess the game. Um, yeah. I don't, and these I, games came out one year after the other. That's, like, that's, it's crazy. It is insane. Um, like 94, 95, 96. That's Donkey Kong Country 1, 2, and 3. I, wow. I don't think it's going to be a spoiler or a surprise to hear that this game is just absolutely phenomenal. Um, oh, it's so good. It It's crazy what... It's crazy this is a Super Nintendo game in so many yeah, ways. Yeah. Um, it... Graphically, um, it still looks like a masterpiece, honestly. Like, even playing it through the Switch, which is not the optimal way to play it, it still looks great. The sprite work is awesome. Um, the art style is so much more consistent than Donkey Kong Country 1. So yes. the yes. that game felt like a prototype in many ways. Like, it felt... Even when I first played it, there's awkwardness to it. Um, where It's janky. Yeah, and... The graphics are janky, the controls are janky. And I, I still, I love Donkey Kong Country 1. It looks, mm. still looks great, um, but there's definitely, yeah, there's jankiness to it. And they just nailed the presentation here. Almost everything. Like, I can't think of anything that looked bad in the game. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, like, getting right to the end, and this is spoilers, so you know when you get ranked how you went and you've got the Hall of Heroes yeah, and yeah. stuff? You could argue it's like a bit funny or whatever, but... 
you know, Mario looks terrible in 3D model. <laughs> like, so bad. But he kind of looked a little terrible in, in uh, Mario RPG as well. He looks like Mario RPG Mario. Yes. That's actually fair. That's actually really fair what you're saying. <laughs> he did look terrible in RPG. So, yeah, like, that's that was the only thing that I looked at that made me go, whoa, that looks weird. Outside of that, it's literally perfection in my eyes. Like, how the theme of, like, the graphics, it's it's so much better than most modern games. Like, you really have distinct areas. You get a feeling for the area you're in. It's just, like, nothing's wasted, you know? Like, the backgrounds, the foregrounds, the enemies, like, everything just fits so well. And it, it feels very uh, edited and refined. Yeah, it's... They just nailed it. And it's... That's why that one-year difference is just crazy to me. I have no idea how long it took them to, you know, to create these 3D graphics and then, you know, go through the process of getting them into the into sprites and putting them into the SNES. Um, it's crazy because there's so much detail um, in this yeah. game. And just even the, like, we're focusing on graphics now, so I'll get into it. The um, yeah. Towards the end of the game, there's the level where, the I think it's Castle Crush where the 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 level's going up and you know like it's you know it's mo- it's moving upwards and the scrolling in the background I'm like stopping and I'm like it almost looks like um the 3D FX chip or whatever it's called um what what was what was it called again the FX Super FX Super, Super FX I'm like man it almost yeah. looks like that but I think it's just really good layer scrolling like how they've set it all up. It's, yeah, this doesn't have super yeah, effects. Yeah, exactly. And but it looks three D as you're going up because the background looks yeah, it looks like there's depth to it that kind of changes as you're going up. And I'm like, man, like that stuff that I didn't probably even notice as a kid that I'm paying more attention to now. Is <laughs> yeah. How they handle all that because when you know you jump into an emulator and some of those emulators have the ability to turn off the different layers, Super Nintendo layers, and you're like, okay, I yeah. can see. The foreground layer and the background layer, blah, 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 blah. So I'm sure that you go in there, you can see how they've done it. But it's crazy. It's just absolutely insane what they've done. And and just like on the graphics, like, you know, to me, the critical parts are like the nuanced stuff, the small stuff. Like that, to me, generally Nintendo does really, really well. This is not Nintendo, but like the, the idle animations are so good. <laughs> you know, it's like... I had to put the controller down for a second and then I picked it back up and it was like, like Diddy Kong does different things and Dixie and it's just like this, like little bits that just give the characters extra life. And I I just so adamant that like this game is insane. Like this game, if I was Sony, I'd be like, oh my God, like we've released a brand new console and it looks better than almost all the games on the PS1. Like, and I'd probably still argue it still looks better than (laughs) all the games that came out on the PS1. Like, if you didn't know this is a Super Nintendo game, and I was just comparing someone who didn't understand that, you'd, you'd probably think this is from a PlayStation or something like that. Yeah, it's it's crazy. And we started to see some nice sprite work. I think the Saturn had a lot of nice sprite work games, and you've got things like yeah. uh, Symphony of the Night and stuff. But it's also just... the Like, talking about Donkey Kong Country 1, you know, the, and the awkwardness there, like, it looked great. They The fact that they ironed all that out, um, and it just, it, it looks smooth and, you know, we have, we're about to get into the other stuff, but you know, yeah, it's, yeah, just graphically. Um, I think probably the, 
and this is this is not a negative. It's more just probably not my style. I think sometimes some of the overworld stuff can look a little cluttered, but that's just a personal thing. Um, okay. Yeah, like they yeah. they threw so much detail in there that sometimes it's like, yeah, but that's all. Like it's a small thing, you know. It's such a small thing because it still looks good. Yeah. So like you know it's it feels unfair to say this but you know so like donkey kong country one like that was all kind of rubbish that stuff donkey kong country 2 to me was great but i like what they do in donkey kong country 3 oh, yeah. where it's kind of like more it. interactive yeah. like that's you know not to get ahead of ourselves or me get ahead of ourselves but that part of it is significantly better than diddy's conquest but it wasn't a negative to me, the overworld stuff. Like, I've still felt it, like, brought it to life. It did everything it needed to do. It was kind of like, you know, it was uh, foreshadowing some of the stuff. You know, like, you're starting in the early worlds and you can see some of the crazy stuff up ahead. And, yeah, it's like, just graphically, like, for what they had, I can't even think of an example of a game that does more with so little. Hmm. It's, it's pretty crazy. And if, yeah, it's 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 almost with, with the exception of like I I'd probably put you know number two and three on the same level for me, but there's nothing else. There's no there's they are the top graphically on on Super Nintendo. Um, I love the art style of Yoshi's Island, but it's still not on this level. I think it's just like like this is just phenomenal graphically. Yeah, it's it's, it's interesting because you know I'm a huge fan of Yoshi's Island. I love the way Yoshi's Island looks. Like, love, 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 love it. And it was very influenced by uh, Donkey Kong Country. Like, there's the whole backstory around those games. And sort of Donkey Kong Country gave a bit of a foot up the ass to Nintendo and what they could do with a console. Um, It's just different, you know. But I think, yeah, Diddy's Conquest is probably the peak in terms of graphics. Yeah, and I think for me... the controls in this game are so much tighter than number one. It's just almost night and day in terms of hitboxes on the enemies as well. <sighs> it just, you feel like you're in control of the characters this time. And like the claptraps are a perfect example. There's not that many in this game compared to the, the first one and they're much bigger. But in the first one, you jump on top of claptrap, but slightly on their back and then it would hurt you. And you'd be like, oh, come on, what, what? you know... There's a, the hitbox was just so weird. And there's an example of a hitbox I don't like in this watch, which I'll get to, because I'm kind of going through the positives first. Um, but the it's, it just feels so much better. And part of that's also that both the characters are uh, super mobile, um, but even the characters feel so different than each other. Like, they've put so much time and effort into making Diddy and Dixie feel different, which is cool, because yeah, they, and- they could have made them just play the same with one extra move, but they didn't. They actually feel different. Yeah, and it's so much so that you could easily play this whole game with Diddy Kong and this whole game with Dixie Kong and you're approaching some of the, the enemies and the, the challenges differently. Yeah. And it's almost like an extra game because of that. Just like comparing it to Donkey Kong Country and, you know, you kind of have to compare the games. Yeah. Having played it now fresh, both of these games, and, you know, <laughs> we haven't even covered how I played this game because... I guess infamously, I, uh, you know, did rewind and save states and all that crap to play through Donkey Kong Country, right? 
but part of it was like I started playing the game and I was just kind of like, man, this is really frustrating. Like it was getting annoying. I'm doing a jump and it's like, oh, this is BS. It's not as bad as what I'm about to say, but it's, it does remind me a little bit of, have you ever played Street Fighter 1? Yeah. And then played Street Fighter 2? Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like, yeah, they're the same elements of the games, but Street Fighter 2 feels right, tight, like good controls. It feels like you die fairly, you live fairly, you know, all that kind of stuff. Whereas Donkey Kong Country, I'm like fighting the controls I, half the time. See, I think a better comparison is Mortal Kombat 1 to 2. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. But like, like a that less, overall point around... Like less of a jump where Mortal Kombat 1's still playable and it's True. still fun, but it's just not tight. It's just not... Like number two, you're just like, okay, this feels right now, you know? Yeah, yeah. And look, like I'm not trying to say it's as janky as Street Fighter 1 to Street Fighter 2, but it's just like, you know, to me, it's more just about, you know... Other controls tight or not? It's a binary thing almost, and there are worse degrees of it. But if your controls aren't tight, like I've realized now, I just don't like playing those games. Like it's so frustrating to me. Like when I feel like I've died because I'm not even that great at games in the first place. I've died because it's like half the controls are just bad, and the hitboxes are wrong, and all this other kind of stuff. And the hot, the hurt box is wrong, and yeah, and I cannot praise this game enough. Like literally for me. There was only one single point in the whole game when I played it where I was like, I like I died on one point, which was um, I can't remember. It was deep in the game, and it was like one where it's all the vines with spikes and things like that, and there's like the wooden planks that are like yeah. the platforms you have to jump on. And there's one particular part of the game where you have to do this like roll and then jump. And to me, my eye, it's like I look like I land on the wood, and I died. As if I'd hit the spikes. I was like, huh, okay, yeah, weird. I played it again, and I did the exact same thing, and I'm like, nah, nah, that looks wrong to me. Mm-hmm. Like, I get that it's like, it's not a, it's a hurt box there, but it doesn't look right to me. But that was like the one thing in the whole game, for me personally, where I just felt weird. Uh, Versus Donkey Kong Country was constant. I've definitely got some issues with the controls, but... Uh, oh, really? Specific issues, I should say. Yeah, what? Well, well, um... Oh, I guess let's mention it now. So, the all the controls around climbing the chains and the ropes, um, specifically, oh, yeah, 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 specifically the like, and this rears its head at the end of the game when you got that um that level where it's all about climbing vertically up the whole tower. I I had no issues. I didn't really die much in the game at all up until there's one other level which I'll mention um soon, but. Up until there, where it just, you would jump towards the chain and I would be expecting to press up, but you've got to press across. And it's just, there's so many times where I died where I'm like, I press this. What? It just feels like to me, um, and I could be wrong, but I think they cleaned that part up in number three quite a bit for, especially like towards the end of that level, you've got quite a bit of... uh, Sorry, towards the end of that game, you got quite a bit of like stuff where you're on ropes and stuff. But it that's that, and like when you're in the middle of the game in the swamp, the reeds. Um, I found that it was also a problem then because I was trying to play on the Joy Cons and I swapped to the Pro Controller when I when I got out of the hospital. Um, <laughs> and that's the only time that I didn't like the controls. So that's and that's that is a nitpick. Um, but we're at the point yeah. where. The only, I feel like I have to nitpick this game because so much of it is done so well. So the controls are amazing. Yeah. 
but the I did have issues with how that stuff works. Um, I felt that was could have been a bit better, but it... yeah, I mean, even for me on those, I did find myself naturally switching from the analog stick to like the digital D pad. You know, like the button D. Yeah, I was using the D pad, and I think part of it was because it was like I knew it was going to be a certain direction if I did it like that. So I, I do kind of get what you're saying. Like it is a bit, it's like finicky yeah. is how I would look at it. I don't, I found it was consistent in what it was trying to do. It just was like, you have to get your head around what it was trying to do. The, and then I was pretty much consistent all the way through once I got that. The other thing, and this was more annoying when I was playing Joy-Cons was I wish the swap, when you swap between characters, I wish that wasn't select. Um, now I don't know. I can't remember if the, I know the triggers were used for like the spider ability and stuff, but I oh was it? I never used the triggers. I don't like the L and R button. Yeah, yeah. So the I just yeah for some reason swapping just felt it felt like an unnatural button to press, and I can't remember where it was in number one. Um, if it was the same or not. But... Well, I didn't. I didn't. I don't think I ever swapped in number one. <laughs> to be honest, I swapped all because the time because like... you've got characters oh, that really? Donkey Kong could kill and. Well, yeah. But you also safe scum, so you probably didn't need to. <laughs> safe scum. <laughs> no, but I just think this game is built much more around the idea that Dixie Kong and Diddy Kong are different. I swapped versus... I swapped all the time in this game because Okay, yeah. fair enough. Yeah. Um, I just didn't have that experience. Yeah, that... And it wasn't like the save state thing. It was just like didn't feel like I needed to. Yeah, and that that's a tiny thing, but um yeah, and I guess we're we're we've got to get to it. We're gonna get to the music. Oh, yeah, it's crazy. Oh, this, and I have a feeling. Look, number number one and number two, I think, are probably um, stronger than number three in this regard. But both these games, like, what can you say? Um, Number two's music is just, oh my god! Like, it has. All right, so I actually think number one has more standouts, but number two has Sticker Brush Symphony, which is probably my favorite video game song it is just amazing uh sticker brush symphony you've got forest interlude it's just so good um this song mining melancholy when you're in like the the mine the mine shaft levels but which actually reminds me a bit of the final Fantasy 7 turks theme a bit with how it kind of uses bass and stuff but what i really love about the music is actually how they reduce really atmospheric sounds yeah, yeah, yeah. So they've got wind at the start. When you're in the like the the ship level when you're swimming, it's got like underwater sounds that sound like they're muffled. You got crickets in the swamp. It's the production is insane. It is absolutely well, insane. Even the, I, don't, I know we're talking about music, but like sound in general and the sound effects. Like even the the uh animals or the creatures that are like chomping the way it sounds. It's like a really like tactile like like, I don't know, it's just, like, not, like, anything you'd heard in games before. Like, it's just, like, it's so on point, the sound. Like, for me, at least personally, I don't think it was one single part of the game where I didn't feel like the music fit and added to the game. No, uh, it... That's what I said, like, I... There's certain tracks that, like, I think Donkey Kong Country 1 just had more of the tracks that I like, but yeah. this, like... Just even the themes, you know, the the overall theme is awesome. Like the theme when you first on the ship, yeah. Like, 
what can you say? Like, everyone knows that this game soundtrack is just legendary. It's yeah. kind of hard to... I don't think there's anything negative at all you could say. No, the sound no the definitely game. not with the sound. Yeah, oh, not at all. Man, yeah, it's... And just the game itself. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, so I would... For me, I guess, and in this part of the game, um, the difficulty curve is so much better in in this game uh the number one um it it's much harder than number one but it the enemy placement is fairer so the problem with donkey Kong country one is it would throw so many things at you that you just weren't expecting or you had you yeah. couldn't expect it had way more it was cheap yeah it had way more leaps of faith now they will throw troll enemies at you every now and then in this like i think there's a level where I think it's one of the bramble levels where you go through the whole thing and right at the end they throw a claptrap at you. That's fine every now and then, you know? Um, yeah. But it's the difficulty curve is great. It starts off really easy and it, it you know, goes up, but it is much harder, number one. Um, the one thing I'll say is that I think the end run is a little unbalanced. I think it's honestly a bit rough, um, those last few levels. Like, as a you know since i was a kid i'm i was able to get through it much easier but i remember going through it the first time as a kid like some of those levels are rough and they yeah they don't give you like i think one of the levels either i missed the midpoint or there wasn't a midpoint but it's like man some of this stuff i feel like that kind of comes out of nowhere um that run of levels um but i will say that the the level that i was dreading and i'm like is it one of those secret lost word levels or is it normal level but it was <laughs> yeah. the last level which was the the race against the parrot in the brambles screeches scramble oh yeah that's crazy wasn't it yeah i remember just that that level's the bane of my existence as a kid and i loved it <laughs> this time i'm like i love this level now because it's it's it just felt cool to kind of like yeah. destroy it <laughs> come back and kill it the thing is i didn't go and get all dk stuff in that level i ended up thinking i think i ended up about 60 percent or something but um oh like overall yeah yeah that's exactly what i ended up on as well. <laughs> well there you go so and i went out of my way to get stuff but i didn't replay levels if i missed them um and yeah that so i do think that last run of levels is a bit rough i don't know if it's because they just I don't know. It just felt like that's the only part of the level where I think the diff- uh, game where I think the difficulty was a little unbalanced. So. so, like you know, just from a difficulty perspective, like it, it sounds weird what I'm going to say, but I kind of felt like this wasn't as difficult as Donkey Kong Country. But to me, it's because I felt like Donkey Kong Country was so cheap and so frustrating at at times with like jumps and certain you know just the controls and the whole setup of the game whereas with this i felt like you could always do it like i never felt like oh my god how the hell are you ever gonna beat this like whereas with donkey Kong country it was just like oh my god i'm like i don't even want to play it well, bosses are way like, harder in this though yeah well they're bosses yeah versus <laughs> guys that just go back and forth or whatever <laughs> and, and you know so like i get it i i I still probably, you know, have to even concede that this game is more difficult, but it's just so much more fair, so much more balanced, the way the game amps up the difficulty. Like, at the start, I was like, huh, okay, maybe this game is not as hard as I remember it being. And then, yeah, you get to, like, the Lost World levels, which I'd only beat and played one of them. And that was, like, way harder. I was like, and it was cool. It was actually a nice challenge. 
And then, you know, I've obviously, like, we haven't really touched on it much, but there's so many secrets yes, baked into the level. that levels. was the next thing I was going to talk about. Yeah, well, let's talk about it. Like, it, it's a sign of, like, because I don't have much time. Like, I have to really try to allocate my time well each week. But I found myself, like, I had to actually stop myself because I started to collect everything. I was just enjoying the game so much. You know, to me, it feels like you're communicating with the developers a bit. Like, you know, versus the first one, which felt so cheap at times, this one is like, it's cheeky. It's like, I can see what they're doing with something. Like, they'll give you a bit of a hint or you'll get through a section and then you'll go, huh, hey, wait a second, there's a whole other section there. Or there's like an exit box where you go, oh, wait a second, I could have picked up Squawk or something like that, one of the animal friends. And it's constantly throughout this game where you're like, oh, okay, like, that's giving me a hint there's something there, you know? And there's other ways to figure out where the secrets are because you can talk to, um, you know, the Kong cast. Like, they have like lots of tips on, you know, where to go or where the secrets are. And it's just so rich, the amount of secrets in this game. And I had, like I said, I had to stop myself from collecting stuff because I was like, I've got to get through this game and beat King K. Rule or else I won't hear the end of it. Yeah, this is one of the first games I can think of, <coughs> with the exception of maybe Mario World, where it made getting the secrets feel worth it. And yeah. I don't and when you're playing the game, you don't even kind of know why. You're like, oh yeah, yeah, you're yeah. like the DK coins. It's fun. The DK coins, which is that is such a brilliant idea. You don't even know why you want them, but you try yeah. so hard, you're like, I really want that. You don't even know why, you know, at that point. Yeah. Um if obviously if you've played the game, you know. But and the bonus levels are super creative. It's it's crazy, and I think they you know they that this is essentially the model they follow for number number three as well. I yeah. can't remember how they if they do anything on that. I don't think they do in the returns games, do they? I don't think they do anything on this specific. Do any what? Like they don't do any DK coin stuff, do they? In this in what in the returns games? Oh no, but they have a lot of collectibles. Yeah, okay, so yeah, so they still got all of that stuff, yeah. but. As opposed to this game, the one thing about this game, though, for me is there's no way to tell if you've gone through all the bonus exits, as far as I could tell. Like, it tells you if you've done the DK coin, but yeah, I don't think yeah, it tells it you if you've done yeah, all the Yeah, it does. Exits. It puts How? an exclamation mark at the end of the uh, level ah, name. Okay, cool. Yeah. Okay, I haven't noticed that. Okay, cool. Because yeah. I haven't gone back to the levels. I was just trying to collect them as I went through. Okay, that's pretty sick. Yeah. Okay, interesting. So, it's, yeah, it's just so cool, and... While I, you know, I didn't definitely didn't do everything. Uh, the whole Lost World thing um, is awesome. You know, did you go in through any of them? Or? No, I unlocked four of them out of five or whatever it is. Um, but then I just didn't play any of them because I wanted to make sure yeah. I finished the game. Um, so you could actually say that I've played more of this game. Technically, yes, you have. Um, oh, there you go. I'm the better gamer. Yeah, it's proven after yeah. all. So. <laughs> And the Lost World, I mean, it's very Super Mario World with with the Star Star Road or whatever it's called. But yeah, it's yeah, yeah. but you have to, you have to earn it much more in this. Yeah, it yeah. feels really like oh man, like I worked my ass off to get these coins and pay this dude. Um, and I guess and I like how it says you want to fight him, and then it's like you can't, like it doesn't <laughs> yeah. do anything. It's like run away or fight him. You pick either. Just you know, you are out of there. But um, the the new buddy animal buddies added fantastic. Um, they they yeah. added charge moves, Engard, Rambi, the spider, Squitter, and such a cool idea. Like 
Oh, ang- spider's so Angling cool, shots up and down and creating the platforms. Whoever create, whoever came up with that is a genius. Like, they yeah. nailed it. And it, it feels right. That's the important part. It doesn't feel awkward. It feels right. No. It, it feels natural. You yeah. just get it and you're like, you're playing it. It's and easy. Look, so probably the levels I love the most. Um, so I love Bramble Blast. That is just so cool. Any time that I play, two, two of my three levels, both. Uh, the Bramble levels. Um, yeah, Bramble Bar- Blast is like top three yeah. for me in this um, game. And I- that's a, that's a, like, uh, you know, if you wanted to put a video game Hall of Fame like yeah. level, that would be a contender, man. Like all up, the whole package. Yeah, I really liked Rambi Rumble as well. I thought it was a really cool stage. Yeah, I love that one as well. I love um, that one as well. But, uh, and I put as my third one is that Screech's Sprint. I actually like it. I really, really like it now. I used to hate that as yeah, a Yeah, I kid, liked it. So, but, um, and I guess for me, this is a bit more graphically, but um, I'd love the, so the settings, you know, you've got like the Bayou or Swamp Water, I can never say the word, or like the different, I guess, like settings of each world. Um, the beehive is, just looks so cool. I love it. Sometimes yeah. a bit hard to see stuff, but it's it's cool. It's fine. You get up, you know, you live with it. The ship and, but the brambles, like other than the, like the hurt box issue you said, like. Everything else about that stage with the layered brambles in the background um, is really cool. So, Yeah. And one thing I love about this game so much, and I, I gush about it forever, is it's so intelligent and it's such like a nod to the audience, which is very rare in games in general. But like this is back in the 90s, man. It's like the fact that they didn't put a minecart level early in the game. It was like halfway through. Mm. Which, you know, that, that was a very, like, famous part of the series. They had that in their ads. It's almost like everything in this game, you earn it, you know? Yeah. It's like it's there, but you have to earn it. And, like, getting up to, like, World 4, it's not, like, the easiest thing ever. And it's just, like, you know, and when they finally do have the minecart levels, because it was a bit over the top in Donkey Kong Country 1, where it felt like way too many and they were just too similar. Like, these ones are just awesome, you know? Like, and... In a way, they're a lot easier than the Donkey Kong Country ones. Like, I think I only died once or twice on all the minecart levels because everything's kind of flagged to you, whereas in Donkey Kong Country 1, it's so cheap. Like, you just you have to keep playing it over and over again to learn the pattern. Um, but they were just so awesome. And it, it actually handled well as well, which is tricky to do. Um, yeah, just I just love how they just paced this game. Like, in what they gave you, what they took away... It's just so cool. Yeah. So cool. The the bosses, the bosses are yes, really. I want to get to the bosses. They're really inventive in this one. They're so good. They they mix up the formula and make you actually use the environment, which is something yeah. that it's it you see a lot in the, now in these days, but back then you didn't see that. Um, I think yeah. Contra did Contra Three did it a bit where okay, you have to climb around the walls and stuff. And there's games yeah. where you you find examples. But, yeah, Mega Man does some of yeah, that. Yeah, and but they just kind of just go crazy in this, and they're tough, you know. Like they're yeah. especially as a kid, I found some of these tricky. I I did hate one of them though. Um, Which one? The cudgel one. So that's the big dude. That, oh, is that the sword? No, no. So I like the sword. Oh. It's the big dude in the swamp that drops down. He just keeps falling, and he's got that giant club that takes up half the screen. And the reason, oh, yeah. oh, okay. the reason yeah, I don't like the boss is because I found that he had a bit of a wonky hitbox, and that's I just didn't find the boss that exciting. He just jumped, he just you just kept moving side to side. Um, whereas the other bosses felt a lot more creative. 
So that's the only boss yeah. I didn't like. I think he was the most straightforward, like boring one, yeah. but I thought it was funny because he it's the same guy, isn't it? That you have to talk to to get No. Or is it no. similar to that similar. kind of type of guy? Yeah. I didn't have much of an issue with that one. The one that I didn't like was the sword one, just because I felt like jumping over the sword, I always had a trick. Like, I just couldn't do it. Like, it didn't, I couldn't work out the spacing of it. So I would always lose one of my characters <laughs> at the start. It would really piss me off. Like, I tried it a few different ways, and I don't know, just the way I was jumping, obviously, just wasn't right. I need to look at a video or something, but that was the only one I had, like, difficulty with. But yeah, look, like, they're all really, really cool. Like, they're not easy at all. They feel like bosses. It feels like once you get through it. And then, I don't know if you've played much of Donkey Kong Country Returns and those games. I've always played, like, the first kind of, world of Returns. Yeah. They kind of lean into the whole boss thing a bit, you know? And I don't know why, but I always find it funny because generally Nintendo's formula is three. It's like, you hit them three times and then they're dead. And it always feels like in Donkey Kong Country series, it's like four times yeah. generally. Yeah. And I don't know, something about that always like annoys me because I always think, oh, it's dead. Oh, no, I'm going to hit it again. Man, this this game also does the Dark Souls thing. I love it where it's like, you think the boss is dead? Phase two. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I did actually think of Dark Souls. I haven't played Dark Souls, but um, I didn't want to bring it up, so I'm glad that you did because it did make me laugh because I was thinking, this is like proto-Dark Souls. Yeah. <laughs> I don't mean, that's a thing in plenty of games it just reminded me but um and the k Rule fight is 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 great i thought i really liked the k Rule k Rule fight in the first game as well um well, but the i think fir- it's better the k Rule one in the first game that's probably the only thing i'm gonna concede is better in the first game mm, I, don't, I i like this one uh because i like the setting more you prefer it yeah i, I like the one in this yeah. one more um because they got it's a, they got it's fairer. They got kind of a lot more creative. Like, okay, he's got uh, he goes invisible for us one move, and like I think it's it's pretty cool. But um, it's yeah, it's honestly all the bosses, and I didn't fight the Lost World version of K. Rool because you know we didn't go through all those levels. But yeah, true, um, we didn't go through that. Yeah. But I yeah, I swear I remember him being much harder. All the bosses, honestly. You know what? You know what? I have to say, I must have a recollection of playing K. Rool the Lost World version of it. Yeah. Because I have this recollection, like this being impossible, right? So when I started playing it, I was like, oh my God. I was actually thinking to myself when I first played K. Rule, I'm like, oh man, am I going to get through this? Because I, I haven't even mentioned it, but I didn't, you know, do save states, rewind, anything yeah. like that. So I played it legit, right? So, you know, you challenged me to do that. That's what I did for this. And then I was getting up to K. Rule and I'm like, Oh man, if I can't beat this, I'm going to be embarrassed. This is going to be so annoying. I felt like it was a real possibility because my recollection as a kid, it was like impossible or something, really, really hard. And I think the first time I got up to the the last phase, like you know, not phase, but the last component that you had to kill, which was the purple reversing controls part. And I died, and then I couldn't beat him. <laughs> and then I was like, I, well, the thing is, I was playing it on Joy-Cons. That, yeah, that's rough. And then later, I played it on, like, you know, like the Super Nintendo controller that they released. And it took two goes, and I was able to beat him. So I spent, like, 20 times trying to beat him on Joy-Cons, which I just couldn't. And then, yeah, I switched to a proper controller and beat him, like, after two goes. But it was a really, really cool fight. Yeah. And it, it was kind of weird, you know, how he kept on, you know kind of dying and then not i kind of wish they would change the environment or something like that at one point of those things 
just to make it a bit more visually interesting. I'm, but it was a really cool fight. I liked it. Well, yeah, I don't know if that technically would have been tricky for them to do, but um, true, true. But I or like even like pretend it's finished and load up a new level or something. Man, I'm looking forward to the fight number three. That's I love that one so much. I love all the. I oh, see. I do. Three. I yeah, and I probably should flag to everyone. I've only played like the first two worlds in Donkey Kong Country oh, Three, man. and it didn't group me, and then I just gave it up. So I'm actually. Super looking forward to playing it after playing this game. Yeah. Like, and I'm trying not to have the same hype level, but man, this game is just like, like as perfect as you can get for what it's trying to do. Yeah, I, it's it's amazing. There's a there's a, just a couple of things. That, sorry, there's probably the the one last thing that I negative towards the game for me. Um, yeah. Is and this this is a personal preference. The kind of middle part of the game, the environments didn't really don't grip me. The thing is that it's oh, okay. it's really consistent. We talked about that as as well as that. Like it's really cool what they do with the environments, but when you start going through the the fire area and then the um, swamp area and then the forest, like that, that middle part of the game kind of drags a little bit visually for me. Even though it looks great, okay. if that makes sense, it's like it looks fantastic, but I'm like, oh, the swamp levels. I don't know why I, I just don't get excited about playing them um, as as yeah. opposed to when I get to like the the theme park level and you know things like that. So yeah, look, and there's a personal preference yeah. kind of thing as well. Yeah, it, look, like I would rarely say this, but I actually because this game holds up. This game holds up. Man. Oh, and definitely. I think like I'll probably replay this game again, and I I don't know. I could actually see myself trying to get to 102, percent which is like the max out percent. It's just such a fun game, man. It's so good. It's just very fair in what it's trying to do and just very you fun should, and very creative. You should try to max out when you play number three because that would be a new experience. And that has lots of secrets. Actually, yeah. I, well, I'm going to set up my office. So, yeah, I'll try to play that on the Trinitron and see how I go. I just heard it's a bit longer, so I don't know if I have the time to try to do that. I uh, can't remember if it's much longer. Okay. May- maybe. Because this one's about... 40% longer from a time perspective generally for people. Yeah. So, then the first game I should say. But yeah, no, it's such an awesome game. Amazing. And was there anything else you wanted to cover with DKCE2? No, I just think we've uh, we we're going to we're going to give our thoughts on where this fits in the uh yes, in the realm of everything, aren't we? Well, okay, so and I you know, for those following along on YouTube, but um obviously we'll talk about it still. So, you know, because we had this conversation just around, like, what are we doing with this kind of stuff? Because we're pretty ad hoc. Like, even last week with Mike, I'm like, we don't really have a rating scale <laughs> or anything. So, it's like, you know, what do you give it? So, I, I think before we get ahead of, like, you know, 200 episodes in, maybe it's a good idea to come up with a concept. So, what what we're doing is we're really, instead of just giving a game a number, which I think there's plenty of places to do that, we're looking at sort of genres and it's our opinion of genres not like what the consensus is and rating games on the scale of bad to average and then good and just like where it fits in that continuum and i I, you know i hope with time like you know we keep adding games and you know maybe even we debate about you know where the existing games sit on that spectrum so just given that we're sort of doing this i thought maybe we could go back and quickly get through the games we'd already covered and where they would sit, and then get into DKC2. Does that sound good? Sounds good. I do have a question. So, we have to agree on where it sits? Well, so I had... 
the initial design of this, I had like my view, <laughs> your view, and then the consensus view. But then I thought, oh, it's just know, visually know, a bit messy. So, look, I, I think like we're pretty good at negotiating this stuff. I think it's more about like how passionate do you feel about it? Have you played it? You know, all and, that kind of stuff. And the only time we need to agree is it. when it's a circumstance where we're both playing through as opposed to if we're reviewing yes, or something, yes. a game, like I'm just doing it, then I'll just rate it, you know? Yeah, yeah, of course. And then I won't have a view on it. So if we had this for Mike... We'd put whatever he rated it, and that would be the rating. Yeah. So until we play Hades, which I'm sure we will one day. All right. Well, let's do Bonk. So and and also what we're saying here is that average is kind of like it's not a bad game. It's not even necessarily a good game. It's kind of neither. It's just perfectly average. It's Aladdin on Super <laughs> which... Nintendo. That's what we've got as our average. Which is our best kind of guess. And then for our bad game, do you want to cover this one? <laughs> we've got. Bible Adventures on the NES. <laughs> Which is very much made famous by James Rolfe from uh, Angry Video Game Nerd. And then finally, for the good game. So the guy, the idea of good game, it's like a 10 out of 10, perfect, you know. And also we've tried to pick a game that is n- not a debatable one. Because I, I initially was saying like we should put Yoshi's Island, but there are people who don't like Yoshi's Island. I don't understand that, but... Super Mario Brothers 3 is what we've selected as the perfect 2D platformer. So that's the benchmark. I think that makes sense. And, and it, the, I have to kind of, I also, I'm going to kind of, you know, like I... Defer, defer a little yeah, bit. Yeah, because like Mario 3 yeah. is like, I wouldn't put that as the echelon, but a lot of people consider it as the kind of the top thing. So it, it makes sense to me why we've got that there. Yeah, and for me, definitely is like a perfect game. Like, and and I've also been a bit cute because I've got a little bit of space to the right and the left, so there could be games that we consider better than Super Mario Three, worse than Bible Adventures on the bad side. And I think in general, it's like the average line. It's our assessment is it's a bad game or a good game fundamentally. Yeah, and then you know ranges. So let's have a crack at bonks. I mean, like I feel like it's a little bit unfair because we didn't give it a huge. Fair shake oh, look, of the source bottle, as Kevin Rudd said. Play through seventy percent, sixty to seventy percent of the game. I think it's enough to rate. Um, a good game, yeah. Like we're already in that realm, yeah. Yeah, I'd probably, maybe, like, I don't know. I'd kind of put it above the E myself, but like at the E in average. Oh, okay. So on the visual, yeah. Thing. Sorry, so, yeah. So yeah. The, the word average is kind of in the middle, so right of the middle. <laughs> yeah that's kind of where i'm sitting for bonk i'm happy for- yeah so like if i'm looking at it it's like about one third from like where aladdin is all the way what's the clip on youtube you it'll be much easier to follow <laughs> i think it does make sense uh, that's kind of my gut feel i was almost going a little bit to the left of that to be perfectly frank no i think like i liked it it was fun but ugh, it's just yeah i i think that's a good spot for it because it is actually there's some really really cool stuff in bonk um, that's true and that game was really early man that's like way before these games yeah. so yeah okay it, it it came out around the same time as super mario 3 all right yeah yeah cool let's let's keep it there all right donkey kong country one now i mean like because this is, I, I actually love this kind of format because it forces us to say is donkey kong country one better than aladdin better than bonk worse than bonk you know what i mean it kind of like forces our hand in terms of the scoring yeah i'd uh Go, I'd go more right, right. So better than Bonk. oh, way better. Yep. I love Donkey Country. Oh, way better. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
I'd go a bit more right, just a little bit more right. I reckon about there. Yeah, I can get on board. Yeah, because so what we've said is it's kind of about two thirds of the way from like Aladdin to Super Mario Brothers. It's like a seven on the scale of ten. Yeah, yeah. If if Mario was a ten, then yeah, it'd probably be around the this seven. Is, this is why numbers end like up that. being useful. <laughs> no, but the one thing that numbers doesn't give you is like comparison between the same games. Oh yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, you know, yeah. so like we're, we're early days here. We'll have a, a, a stack of games on here eventually. <laughs> Now, Donkey Kong Country 2. I mean... This is fun. This is fun because (laughs) we've got Super Mario 3 is the 10. Now, the the debate now rests around, like, how good is it? Is it better than Super uh, Mario 3? I'd say just left of Aladdin. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, Let's... So, look, I, I definitely like this game more than Mario 3, but... I so it almost kind of would make sense to me to sit it, um, sit it on Mario three or just left of Mario three. Yeah, it's like this. We've chosen a, to start this off. We've chosen one of the greatest two D platformers of all time. So it's not like yeah. we're we're like <laughs> blowing our load early or anything. Like oh, we're suddenly got a game with that. It's one of the greatest two D platforms of all time. So. So, like, I'd actually played Super Mario 3 recently, like, the whole game, and beat it. And I was like, wow, this game is so, so good. And playing Donkey Kong Country 2 again, I had the exact same feeling, (laughs) to be (laughs) honest. Like, it is such, like, it so lived up to the hype in my mind around it. I had a joy playing it. Like, I loved playing it. Um, it, This is a tough one, dude, because i got to give the context to everything. It's like... The Super Nintendo had killer 2D platformers on it. Like, just off the top of my head, Super Mario World, Yoshi's Island, and DKC2. Man, you could just go, there's the three, and put it in any order. Like, and I'm not thinking you're crazy. Any order, it'd be fine. Yeah. Personally, like... Yeah, go on, sorry. I, I, I'm kind of of the opinion that like if i was rating this for myself it would be left of good uh just left um and, and then by and, the way when we say good should i change that to perfect okay that's... because good seems like so silly to say <laughs> super mario 3 good but um wait i'll change that later to yeah, perfect but and bad should i change to terrible <laughs> just change it to bible adventures um <laughs> so but the, the reason being is because i know that um like when we're rating these things that if i wanted to place yoshi's island on here i'd be that'd be the one that i'd place above well then that's kind of you know that yeah that's playing in my head as well it's like do i legitimately think this game is better than yoshi's island for me personally no hmm. but it's a good conversation it's like right in there I think I might rate this better than Super Mario World. I need to go back and play Super Mario World. Yeah, but just gut feel. I, 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 I probably think this is just slightly better, and I love Mario World. Yes, I do. Same. Like that game went through all of it. What was it? Ninety six exits, all that kind of stuff. Love that game to death. But this game is just like there's something about the game. Just everything about it to me is just on point. You know, like the music, the way it plays with you, what your expectations are, the controls, everything. 
Whoa. All right. So I think just slightly left. Yeah, I, I have to agree. I'm going to put it like, whoa, we can, we can just go pixels yeah, here. Just go like three pixels. <laughs> three pixels. I've literally put a three pixels. <laughs> just to Super Mario Bros. 3. Where it's like ever so slightly, ever so slightly one pic- one, lesser. One pixel for the the wonky rope climbing, one pixel for um, the clubber <laughs> the boss, hitbox, and <laughs> one pixel for the Windy Well level. Windy Well. That's that level we You didn't like it. Oh level. man, I died so much on that level. Screw that level. <sighs> you are a you are a you are a human after all. <laughs> okay, I like this format. So we'll, what we'll do is as the games come up that we review it's it's our opinion. We don't care what you think. The, the thing is <laughs> no, we're never gonna play any terrible games. So <laughs> Well Well Yeah Unless true. well there isn't there is a a recommendation feature that we're planning that uh yeah. Who knows? Who knows? I, I, I think because I love logarithmic scales, I think I need to make it almost more like logarithmic. Because <laughs> uh, you're right. Like, that's why I had less space in bad, but I probably need even less space because I'm already thinking this space up here is going to get cluttered, <laughs> like of the perfect games. So, yeah, I like this format. We'll we'll do it whenever we're covering other games. But I think given that we're doing this whole DKC series, we're going to get a lot more 2D platformers on here. Um yeah, I'm just trying to think what other games that we're coming up to review. Well, we've got like the whole um, 2011 stuff to think about. Yeah. Game of some other year. So that's going to have heaps of different ones. So, yeah. All right. Well, you know, our official verdict is uh, Donkey Kong Country 2. Slightly, ever so slight. Three pixels. Less than perfection of Super Mario Brothers 3, but... I would put this in the you have to play this game category no, if you're a gamer. No question. It's yeah. I and it's not that long. It's not that. I'd long. be really interested to see what someone who's never played this game played it today, how they felt, and it's. I think it holds up, but you never know. It's. Oh, just, I think it holds yeah, up. It's, it definitely yeah. holds up. No, nah, no. Nah, de- you know why? Because it, so Donkey Kong Country. I feel like you're being too lenient. I actually think this should be further to the left. I love Donkey Kong Country. I, I said it. I reckon we pushed this. I, to the said, left, I said it last uh, when we reviewed it. That I reckon it's one of the best pure platforms on the system because it like and as in like just literally just like running around doing stuff. I actually think I reckon we should push it to the left. Nah, music, <laughs> like it's so. Much- okay, I'll, I'll I'll only keep it there just because I'll give it a few things. It's for what it did as the first type of game. It blew away people. So I'll, I'll I'll keep it there. Yeah, I think that's fair. But just on a pure game, if I was like fresh, it'd probably be way to the left. Uh, to I, I still love that game. It might even be below Bonk. Like if um if it was just fresh. So yeah, no, but insane. Like, yeah, You're insane. <laughs> Donkey Kong Country Two is genuinely in a very rare class of games for me. That I feel like you just you have to. It's like the the classics from a literary literacy, literacy literary perspective. Like you just have to go back and play it. Like it's just a must play game. It's so 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 good. All right, cool. Was there anything else you wanted to touch on around Donkey Kong Country Two before we wrap up? No, give it a shot. It's on. Uh, it's on Nintendo Switch uh, SNES app. Play it. Yeah, yeah. It's very accessible these days. So have a crack. It's really good fun. Awesome. Well, that wraps us up for this week's episode. Um, if you'd like to reach out to us, hit us up on Twitter at BigWigPod. 
uh, or hit us up through the YouTube comments. We always reply to each and every one of them. Uh, if you do want us to grow, make sure you give us a good review or just recommend us to your mates. Um, that will always help the podcast grow with time. Uh, with that, bye-bye. See ya.